All right. Well, um, I'll get some sil- silencio. I'm only I'm only going to buy Italian silence from now on. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm that that wealthy now. Designer it's, silence. Yeah, it's just waving hands <laughs> silently. I think that's more French. <laughs> everyone and welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. And I'm Ian Boothby. And, you, you know, it sounds so professional when I say it like that. People don't know my the, the struggles I have trying to remember exactly what order I'm supposed to say those words. <laughs> yeah, trying to remember your name? <laughs> Just, it's not really my name. It's more like, yes, I want to yes. say, hi, I'm David Dedrick and this is Sneaky Dragon. But then that makes it hard for you to say your name. So then I'm like, okay, I got it. can't say it that way. And then I, I really get caught up in my own brain. It does sound like it's your cognitive test. Mm. It's like he's, what's, what's he have to do every week? Every week, we put a microphone in front of him <laughs> and make him say, hello, my name is, see if he gets his name right, yeah. and welcome to, and see if he gets the podcast right. And we'll accept two different podcasts because he does, well, he does three. Uh, so we'll accept one of three different podcasts as being correct. And uh, if he doesn't get that, then uh, we take away his chickens. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, maybe I shouldn't say, oh, no. Hooray. No, what? They're, they're fine. You, you're they're very fine. prone chicken. They're, <laughs> they're fine. They're you fine. have lovely chickens. They can hear you. They're within earshot. They are. Oh, I don't know about one. I don't know, what, I don't know where the one is. She's hiding out with her eggs as per usual. But yes, the other, oh, one okay. is, the other one's probably lurking around somewhere. So uh, have the, are we uh, on another lost egg hunt right now? Well, uh, Lisa recovered a few from her the other day and got pecked for her troubles. So, mm-hmm. but because uh, apparently uh, I wasn't there for this horror, a moment of horror. But she went to get some eggs out of our container we keep our eggs in, and I guess they'd all gone off. It's been quite oh. hot. It's been quite hot, as you know. And then we've been okay. we we've been away on the weekends and stuff, so we haven't been really like using uh, the eggs as much as we normally do. Right. And do you refrigerate your eggs or no? No, we. I guess she said because she put the egg keeper in the fridge last night, and I said, "Oh, you've." You've changed up your system. And she said, yeah, I've, that was too horrific. <laughs> I don't want to experience that again. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's because uh, it really, it, you you know, maybe they, I don't know. If, do they last longer in the fridge? I assume they do. Everything else lasts longer in the fridge. Like I, as soon as I get fruit, I put it in the fridge myself. Okay. I, I don't, but that's all right. Uh, but my fruit does go off. So Yeah, it continues yeah. to ripen outside of the cold, right? That's why in the good old days, when good old fashioned days when they didn't have um fridges and things they would have cold storage they would have you know uh like a um usually like a a, an earth like it would be like dug down into the earth so it was coolish in there and they would have like i remember at lisa's mom and dad's farm there was like kind of a a bunker shaped like you know like a semi-cylinder shaped uh I can't remember what they call it. There's a name for them, but I can't remember what it is now. Grave. It's a grave. It's a grave. It's a tomb. Yeah. It's uh, a tomb, and yeah. they use it for fruit at first, yeah. and eventually the, f- the the next relative, and then they dig a new You're right. uh, fruit hole, and they just, you know. <laughs> the fruit tomb is what they call it, yeah. Yeah. Where fruit goes to. So, yeah, then your, your apples or whatever will last longer. But now that we have refrigerators, they, they do even better. So, like, once you throw them into the refrigerator, they, they reach a point of kind of stasis and they don't they won't age that much they won't ripen that much and uh bananas can go in the refrigerator don't let anyone tell you they can't oh is that right so it's okay if the skin yeah. turns brown yeah, absolutely it does not affect the banana it at doesn't... all that was a scam that the chiquita banana company came up with 
uh, with that. And yeah, they wanted to, people to. Uh, oh, so your your bananas go off? Yeah, they go off faster, and they oh. buy more bananas. So that's what part of the song. Yeah, she get a banana, and I've come to say bananas need to ripen in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and uh, never put bananas in the refrigerator. No, 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 no. Yeah, you can't. There's no reason you can't. But oh, yeah, we'll make the skin go dark. But it means not that means nothing. Still fine. Yep. Wow, they lied to us. <laughs> I can't believe a giant company looking for profits would lie to people. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. I'm trying to think, like, who was the person who was their... Carmen Miranda. She was their spokesperson. Was lovely, she? Chiquita? Lovely, yeah, lovely fruit-hatted lady. Yeah, yeah, sure. Commercials. Mm-hmm. I can't believe she would lie to us. <laughs> Is nothing sacred. I don't associate bananas with Brazil, but maybe they're, maybe that's a big fruit there. I don't know. Isn't she? Isn't she the image on the uh, on the sticker? I don't know. I mean, they might have had like a lady that kind of reminded us of her, but I don't know for sure. I don't. Huh. I'm, I'm okay. really, I'm really not up on my Carmen Miranda knowledge. So okay, well, this is you caught me. You caught me short here. No, you got. You really do. Okay, you know what? I'm looking at. I'm looking at the the uh, sticker, and the sticker uh, is that's Carmen Miranda. There's no two ways about it. <laughs> if that's not Carmen Miranda, then uh, she she there's a lawsuit that is about to happen <laughs> for using her likeness. Yeah, that is in no way uh, not Carmen Miranda. Well, you know, it's possible that Carmen Miranda. Although she was Brazilian, I'm pretty sure she was Brazilian. And although she was Brazilian, which we don't associate with bananas, uh, maybe she was just kind of associated in general with South America. And so it was good enough, you know. You know what? I think back then, foreign was foreign. <laughs> they didn't. Right? That's right. Like, she honestly could have just been yeah, selling, yeah. you know, sp- spring rolls. And people would be like, hmm, yeah. I, yeah. She knows. I don't know, about, I don't know about that. But here, I would say... To, to to go along with that is that if they had someone selling spring rolls, they could they could have been any Asian person. They could have been Korean. They could have been Japanese. They could have been Chinese. It wouldn't have mattered as long as they were of some sort of Asian look. It would have been fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like those were in the past. Those were distinctions that weren't cost effective. And so we were no one like like I think even nowadays, if you said to someone, you know, that in Brazil they speak Portuguese, not uh, not Spanish. People would be like, "What, really? Oh, hmm." Yeah, I actually, I was, I was talking to P about that. Sorry about that. I was talking to P about that the other day. It's, that's always a sketch I've wanted to do. Is like a sketch that's uh, set in um, like Portugal. Okay. And and so uh, people are all uh, walking around. They're speaking Spanish. And at one point, some guy comes up and just goes, "You know, we speak Portuguese, right? Really? <laughs> I thought it was Spanish. No, no, Portuguese." I'm like, "Oh, all right." Mm. And then they all that change and they all just speak Portuguese. And then uh, my so. my other favorite thing that they say then is, uh, "But they're the same, right? They're the same. They're basically the same." Yeah, no, no, right? they're quite a bit different. Oh, no, no, they they sound the same. They, you know, they're very much this, very similar. Nope, nope, not at all, <laughs> not at all similar. Like, no, I mean, there's similar words, but you could say that about French, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese. I assume Romanian. I don't really know Romanian very well, but it also is a Romance language. Mm-hmm. All of them are, you know, English itself. All of them are based in in have some basis in Latin, but you know, there's so many differences. Even in like simple things like the word to speak is different and almost different in almost every country, right? So, so I don't know. It's uh, between Italian and French is pretty sim- similar, but you know, it's just they're all different. They're all different. I'm just, I'm, just a- rooting, I'm rooting for us all to uh, speak Esperanto still. You are not. 
You know, it's just like, come on, you come are... on. Let's all just, or you know what? I'll go with Interlac. I'll go with Interlac. Sure. Just... I think that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're only supposed to learn it in the year 3000, I think. But, uh, <laughs> you know, for now, why not? Everyone, uh... That was the thing I liked in the Legion of Superheroes was uh, it wasn't any of this universal translator nonsense. Yeah. It was just like, no, we all just decided to speak the same language. Oh, all right. Makes more sense. That's fair. And then occasionally you run into an alien race. They won't speak English and, you know, have to figure something out. Sure. And you'll be all right. Yeah. That is more interesting than a universal translator. That's a bit of a boring cheat. Yeah. And, and, and leaves you so many questions. <laughs> so many questions. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it's getting rid of their accents. You know, there's just so much. And again, I, I, I still, I still wonder, you know, on the original Star Trek is like, uh, is Chekhov speaking Russian? <laughs> And it's just translating it, you know, is Sulu speaking Japanese? Yeah, probably. Yeah, that'd be weird, right? And just like, you know, one episode that breaks. And oh, I know they've probably that... done an episode like that of another show. But like it breaks and it's just like, yeah, he never learned English. Why would he? It's no reason. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you ever learn another language if there's a universal translator around? Oh, no I, one would. I love I love that idea. If, if that hasn't been done, someone should do it. Oh, every idea in Star Trek's been done, my friend. Is that right? Every, oh, for for certain. You know, well, that, <laughs> I guess that's the glory for me then, as I as having avoided it so so particularly all these years. It's gone so far that everyone's uh, uh, dropping f bombs now. On oh, the show. well, that's different, isn't it? Yeah, it it is, but, and not even in the movies. They don't do it in the movies. Yeah, but they do it on a TV show. What? What's this about? Now it's a cartoon as well. It's like okay, everything. It's it's everything. It's fine. <laughs> wow. That's what it is. You pick the Star Trek you like, and you you go along with your lives. I wonder what word the Universal Translator is translating into "fuck." Yeah, that's interesting, right? Hmm. Because it is a Universal Translator. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe it's maybe it's um defective and it's putting "fuck" where it shouldn't be. You would think like the Klingons would have some really good swears. <laughs> well, they would. I think they would have more like oaths. You know, like a, kind of long things like, you know, for example, like, you know, may you, may you live in interesting times, for instance, something like that, mm -hmm. which, you know, in the past seemed like such a, seemed like such a quaint saying, but now that we're living in interesting times, we're like, fuck, that is our terrible curse. <laughs> yeah, you kind of get it. And by the way, I didn't say fuck. I said a different word, but the universal translator for our show translated as fuck. So it's really, that's really making me angry because I don't like to swear that much. All right. Here's deep nerd now. Okay. Uh, so... The Borg. <laughs> Deep nerd. Yeah. Okay. So here, uh -huh. the Borg. Okay. Are they talking to each other when they talk to each other? Yeah. They talk, um, are they talking to each other in machine language or are they talking to each other in English? Are they're cyborgs? Aren't they? Uh, yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, but like they all speak the same language. You know, mm -hmm. no matter what alien race they've been uh, created uh, cyborged up from. Yeah. Yeah. Are they just speaking digitally to each other? Uh, bleeps and bloops, ones and zeros. And we're uh, we're swapping that out as well. Or are they uh, speaking whatever language they spoke when they were uh, alive? Well, I'm going to say that they're still people, and so there's and they still have brains, and so they would still speak in a in a way that they're accustomed to. It seems like it would be more efficient if you have the machine part. Like you mm -hmm. could either go, I think you should go over there and shoot Captain. Go! Oh, I, I took too long. <laughs> I took too long. Or they could just have that like instant <laughs> computer thing go. Yeah. Like, ah, I got the plan. All right, I'm off. Let's go, boys. 
uh, you know, with our robot ways. And then <laughs> you could be know, right because they, they they are they are a, a, a collective, right? They become a they become part of the board collective. They so. do have a co-op. Yeah, they have a co-op, they have a co-op store. Co-op. They share. They get five percent back. They get a five percent back on on purchases they make throughout the year. <laughs> yes, they do. What a, it's a great. It would be great if they have a co-op in each one of those cubes. <laughs> it's a great system, but. I think that I no, I'm going to go with you now. I think you're right. I think they probably do speak to each other in a in some sort of language that is in you know integral to to the Borg thing, the Borg consciousness. So mm-hmm. that because they you know if they were, I feel like that part of their brain has probably been been robotized or whatever you want to call it, right? Cyborged. Cyborg. I think it was always a problem to me. Like how do the they? Borg... Wait a second. How do they choose what parts of you are cyborg and which parts aren't? Yeah. It, it seems it seems unnecessary, like for the it, most part. Like some of them they, get like a lot more done. You know what the Borgs have is a sorting hat, <laughs> and it just decides what p- pieces and parts of you are are going to the scrap heap, and what other parts are going to get replaced with. Well, that's why you got to admire the uh, uh, Cybermen. It's like they just do the same thing every time. It's like yeah. it's efficient. They don't mess around. They don't. <laughs> there's no no free will, no choice. No, but but, the, but not the this arm. Is, yeah, the problem with the Borg and the Cybermen, though, is mm-hmm. you don't get that satisfaction of like, you know, hey, we killed them. Yay. It's like, well, no, they weren't evil. They were just like uh, they were innocent victims that mm-hmm. were like taken over by this thing. And, you know, maybe you could reverse it. Yeah. In fact, I think there's episodes of. Well, then they reverse it for they reverse it for Jean-Luc Picard, didn't they? They reversed it for him. They reversed it for Hugh. This guy, Hugh. Uh, who comes back in the Picard TV show? What about Nine uh, or whatever her name is? Uh, seven of Nine. Yep, that's right. And I'm surprised that I know this much. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised I know this much. How, how, I'm yeah. really uh, on the on and the if cusp I'm remembering of remembering right. Yeah, I think they did it in uh, Doctor Who. I think uh, with like uh, at least one of the cyber cybermen. I think. I don't but think that's true. Is it a one way street with them? Um... I kind of feel that it is because you are pretty much discarded entirely for the. Huh. Well, during the Russell T. Davies years, where things got a bit more sadistic, uh, <laughs> they really played up how painful it was to be one of those guys. So it did make sense. Well, like, okay, it's good that you can blow them up because they're suffering, so it's okay, and there's no way back, and it's fine. What you call sadistic, Russell T. Davies called dramatic. So. Mm. And I think he had a point in the sense that our culture is, in terms of our our um, you know, exposure to violence and stuff like that, you know, the idea that just... Kind of keeping it safe and and silly wouldn't have quite the same punch as having it seem like it was really terrible and because it does well, feel really terrible the idea of becoming a of Cyberman in, in in his shows at least. Yeah, I mean, the, I remember the first episode of Torchwood. And they had a thing where they made it clear that you know uh, they had a glove that could bring you back from the dead for you know like a minute or something, maybe thirty seconds or a minute, and 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 they question the person, go like, "Who killed you? What happened? You got to tell us now." I was like, huh? What am I doing here? I was like, uh, you, were, you were killed. It's like, oh, I remember what it was like. There was nothing there. Nothing at all. I can't go back. There's nothing. And then they'd uh, die. And like, well, that is just awful. <laughs> well, that's, that is awful. That, that show was, that show was, uh, was like the, the first the first name in, in uh, nihilism. So. Yeah, well, that was the thing. Well, they, they, then, they upped the game a little late. First of all, it was that. It was just like, well, everyone now that dies I know is going to not only oblivion, yeah. but conscious oblivion. Okay. Well, that's awful. That's really, really bad. Then yeah. later in the series, mm-hmm. they were like, yeah, I was uh, I was there. Uh, and it was all nothing, except I wasn't alone. 
Like, oh, well, what's it? You think like there's other people there? No, there was like a creature that was hunting me. Oh, oh well, that's great. Oh. So you so you're saying every and that's the that is the afterlife in the Doctor Who world, huh? That's swell. <laughs> that every character that's died in the Doctor Who world is in this nightmare. And it's just like, oh, okay, what are you doing? What are you doing, you ass? It's you one, know, don't do that. It's one thing to promote science over over faith or over religious belief, you know, but it seems odd to like replace a kind of optimistic belief with a, with this sort of nihilistic, uh, really, you know, horrible, stark, uh, nightmare idea of what death is like, you know, like if, if we don't know what death is, let's, let's assume it's great, you know, like we don't need to, if we're going to like think that there's something after we die, which, you know, who knows, but if we're going to think that, why do we doctor who doesn't know that? Why do we want to? Why do we want to make it awful? So it just seems really weird. Like if you're gonna repl- like if you're gonna go, I'm all about science. This, you know, ideas about heaven are dumb. And then go, but because you know, because in reality, it's just a stark void where you're chased by a monster. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's you're just making that up too. Like, is that better than my, my the thing that I made up where I get to dance around and eat uh, eat candy? It's a it's a world made of uh, sour key sour kids and what are they called? Sour patch yeah, kids. Sour patch. I mean, you could go with like that was just that guy's afterlife. Yeah, that's what he yeah, expected. Sure. Or that's what he deserved. Or yeah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah. But they yeah. didn't do. They didn't go with the like. Mm. You know. Well, we don't know. They went with a no. This is what it is. And it's like okay, but the problem then is you've got so many characters dying in the show that you can't ever go. Well, you know, he died peacefully. He died doing what he what he loved. And it's like no, he didn't. He doesn't want to be chased by a monster in the dark for forever. Go save him, you ass. Go figure that figure that shit out. You know, if there's a glove that can bring you back, mm-hmm. that means there is a way to bring a person back, or there's a there is a connecting. Thing to that world build on it oh i'm sorry you want to have sex with everybody okay fine that's good too yeah right i don't go to your show anyway i'm gonna go watch uh, sarah jane adventures <laughs> way, everyone that dies in that also gets chased by a monster for the rest of their life. Uh, <laughs> darn what yeah. a world uh, i guess well you know that's that's british science fiction for you <laughs> sure well it's not even science fiction is the problem it's like that, no, that right. gets it. It is really more fantasy, world. isn't it? So. it? Yeah, it's fantasy and religion and this kind of thing. Like, Doctor Who should never cross over into. Like, if there's ever a ghost, the ghost should have a scientific explanation. It should never be, or was it? It's like, no, no. <laughs> well, that's it what wasn't. I mean. Like, if you're going to replace, like, if you're going to, like, I, because I feel like Doctor Who as a show is boosting the idea of science as a, and scientific thought and things like that as, as a, as a more humane way to, to live in the universe. But Torchwood's answer is, it's just a ridiculous nightmare. I watched uh, the the new Adams Family cartoon. Okay, um, which is a it's it's very nicely uh, done. I like the style. It, is of it a it. movie or a? It is a movie. Yeah, it's a movie. Okay, it was a movie that was in theaters uh, okay. briefly. Um, but they make a big mistake to me. Okay. In it, yeah. Uh, where they um they have supernatural elements. They have a, a kind of a ghost that's haunting that, or a spirit that's haunting the house that tells a get out. And when you see it, it's it's a Sam Raimi kind of force that's whipping through the woods or through the through the house. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I got that. And also, they can talk to the dead. Yeah. They can talk to their dead relatives. And I'm like, nope, pass. That doesn't work <laughs> at all. Like, no. 
they're they're weirdos. Yeah. And you know, maybe they they push the boundaries where like they're stronger than they should be, or one of them is electrified and he can put a light bulb in his mouth. And you know, the kids, it's hard to kill them. But you can't have them be magic, and you can't have like a demon show up. It's like that's not the world that they're in. That's the monsters. Monsters. One of them's a damn vampire. Like that's that's the monster world. Yeah. But like Adam's family, they're just weirdos. Mm-hmm. That's that's what they are, and they can't cross the boundary, much like Scooby Doo shouldn't. Into and the supernatural is real because once you do that, well, then it's uh, then you've ruined it. Then you've screwed screwed it up. Then then the like as as it is now, the tension between them and the outside world is you know the outside world has a point. These guys are weirdos that shouldn't be torturing each other and children shouldn't be poisoning each other. Good point, outside world, but they seem happy. It's a good point, weirdo world. But once you can like, but there's supernatural things and it doesn't matter if you die because, you know, you can uh, communicate with the dead and it's all fine. Oh, yeah, all right. Then they're, they're right and you outside world are wrong. Well, that's that's where the that's where the Adams Family movie made a mistake to me is by having Thing... Uh, be a, dis- a disembodied hand. Yes. Whereas in TV show, it just comes out of a box. Yes. So and it you, wasn't really clear what was. You up. don't know what it's there, so it kind of leaves it. You know, it might be something so horrific that it never shows itself. We don't know. Like we don't know what it is. But when you make it into a disembodied hand, then you've added a supernatural element to the show. And yeah. You're right. There could be more than one. Uh, like each of the each of the boxes could have a hand in it. Mm-hmm. Like they don't necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Once you've once you've done that, you have made it supernatural, and you're right. I forgot about that part of the uh, of the film. That part of the film wrong. <laughs> by your, I mean, it doesn't really ruin the movie, but it it's uh, by your by your by your theory of what what makes the Adams family tick. It, it yeah, really we should work. never know what a thing's origin is, and I and we don't, so that's good. So it's just it's it's an odd thing thing that yeah. exists, yeah. you know, and that's uh, that's all right. But yeah, you can't have it be supernatural, and uh, and same with Scooby Doo. So uh, no. You've crossed over the line. I guess the mod- modern ones have, haven't they? Because they do have real ghosts in them rather than than people. Like what? The uh, the Adams family? No, the uh, the modern Scooby Doo, like yeah, the Scooby Doo movies. Unfortunately, and yeah, that yeah, they 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 crossed they crossed that line a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, and some of the car- new cartoons that are a little sharper uh, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it, yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, because because the point of the show is that people are afraid of you know, afraid of ghosts or whatever. And they come in and they're like, well, these can't be ghosts. We have a mystery here and we have a mystery machine so we can solve it. So yeah. yeah. Someone's trying to pull a scam on you, a real estate scam every time, <laughs> As usual. every damn time. That's what it is. It's you think they would just say that right away. Oh, that sounds like a real estate scam. Yeah. And then mama Cass is going to help you solve it. And it's like, good for her. Good for mama Cass showing up and, uh, and uh, helping us with this whole uh, mystery thing. Mm. And uh, we're going to do some, uh, we're going to do some fat jokes. And we're going to go, Hmm. It's weird that uh, Shaggy and Scooby are the ones doing these jokes. They're the ones with the eating problem. But okay, all right, fine. Huh. Guys, wait till your uh, metabolism uh, doesn't uh, do it anymore. We'll see what we'll see what goes down. They may be one of those lucky people that, like my dad, who can just eat and eat and never have to worry, mm-hmm. even in his advanced state of life. That was a that was a nice thing, you know. Back in the day, was celebrities would just uh, help the Scooby Doo gang. You get a Don Knotts helping you out or a Tim Conway. And it's like, were, That's they, good. were they actually helping? Well, they're trying their best. <laughs> oh. I just can't imagine Don Knotts being any help at all in a in a ghost situation. I now like we were talking about it either on our uh, Fansplainers podcast or this one. Mm. Uh, but uh, Abbott and Costello, how they would always like meet monsters. I'm trying to think of Abbott and Costello ever teamed up with Scooby-Doo. I'm pretty sure the Three Stooges did. Uh. I think the Three Stooges did. 
but uh, no, I don't think uh, I don't think Alvin Costello did. Even though it would be perfect for them, it's like right up their uh, their alley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Well, who knows? I don't really enjoy. Yeah. I don't really enjoy those those shows with the with the guest stars. So it doesn't work for me. Okay. You need they the were... you need the essential team because we're you know like the people who are on like Tim Conway or Don Knotts or whoever. I yeah, I just find it's like it's too much comedy relief. It's like having Scrappy Doo and 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 what is it Scooby Dumb and all those characters. Yeah, they just can't have that much comedy relief. It just kind of it ruins everything. Kind of like Lethal Weapon Four. Feels like Scooby Dumb didn't uh, didn't last very long. No. Okay, I got he was done. I got a list here of uh, guest stars that they. Oh yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, they did have uh, Larry Curly and Mo. Okay. Uh, I'm just again, there's some people who have said they like me saying lists on the show, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna go down the list of lists. God damn them. Yeah, uh, Batman was on there. Oh yeah. Uh, of course, with Joker and Penguin and Robin. Great. Uh, Great. J- Jonathan Winters mm-hmm. did uh, double duty. Okay. He played himself. Yeah. And he played Maude Frickert, <laughs> who who is also him. Is also him, yeah. <laughs> but she she existed as well in this universe. I and see. speaking of speaking of the Adams family, they had the cast of the Adams family there. They had uh, uh, John Aston, Jodie Foster, Carolyn Jones. Do you say uh, Jodie Foster? Jodie Foster played Pugsley Adams. Yeah, huh. yeah. Okay. That's weird, huh? Yeah. Here's the thing: name a '70s TV show. Yeah, she was in it. Every show, every single show. You just name one. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. You got <laughs> Gunsmoke. Yeah. 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 Everything. No show she was on the on the news. Yeah, she anchored the news for like three years. <laughs> she was there. She is remarkably well adjusted for someone who grew up in that situation. Or is a great actor and hides it amazingly well. <laughs> or that too, which but I mean that's all of us, by the way. Mm. Yeah, that could be. Um so you got Don Knotts, as yeah. as mentioned before. Yeah. Uh Phyllis Diller. Okay, makes sense. Sand- Sandy Duncan. Right. Sunny and Cher. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, Laurel and Hardy were, were around. Yeah. Uh, uh, then you had the Harlem Globetrotters. Yes, of course. Uh, David J- Davy Jones. Oh, slumming. Uh, Jerry Reed. Jerry Reed. All right. Jerry Reed. Uh, Fresh from Smokey J- and the Bandit. Yeah, and then finally uh, you had uh, Josie and the Pussycats. Well, you know they're animated. They have no choice. They have no free will. Yeah, they were very similar to Scooby Doo. There was a big list of all, and I'm not going to read this list, but there's a big list of uh, all the Scooby Doo knockoffs, and there's like 20 of them. Wow! And it's all just teenagers solving a mystery, and then at some point being chased, and then a song plays. <laughs> you know, it just goes up to like Jabberjaw and Funky Phantom, and you know, uh, there, there's just the the Scooby Doo formula was so popular. How about Lancelot that, Link? Was he part of that? Uh... So I think okay. he was kind of. Uh, that's a live action thing, isn't it? Oh, okay. Wasn't was it animated? I think so. Yeah, Lancelot Link. He was a. I, I want to say Detective Chimp, but that's not right. Detective Chimp is a different character. Hmm. What's Lancelot Link's deal again? The Evolution Revolution. Uh, he was it, Secret Chimp. He oh, was okay. A secret. You couldn't tell by looking at him that he was a chimp. Yeah, and no, he was a he was a secret chimp. He wore a hat. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he had one season. That's right. Uh, 1970 to 1971 and uh yeah he uh yeah he was live action yeah i mean like when i when i look at my bubblegum collections that i have much of like so much of that stuff is like lancelot link and and the hardy boys and all oops and all these other shows that were yeah just of that sort of that quality of you know they try and solve a mystery there's a chase sequence 
a bubblegum song gets played and then and then at some point the song concludes and they capture the the monster or the whatever they're trying to find and there you go solved it now here's my question to you as a uh person who has a music podcast okay okay are you talking uh, about you... are you talking about sneaky dragon listening party I am talking about Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. Oh. Where, where could we listen to that, by the way? Well, you could find that on iTunes or on the website, uh, sneakydragon.com. Lovely. It's a show I do with my daughter, Mary. Is, yep. is it just, oh, I was going to ask, like, is oh, it just you? It is I not, prefer a it's, not, it's not just me. My daughter, Mary, uh, hangs, hangs around with me and makes a lot of smart-ass comments. Excellent. Okay. Well, wait a second. Is there an intro by like someone else that? Uh... <laughs> My other daughter Eve does introduce the show. You're correct. That's the hat trick I was looking. For. I want it to be a real family affair. Oh, the the show family affair. We can talk about that later on too. Sure. Um, no, my question <laughs> Mr. is, Mr. French. So you had uh, Sebastian Cabot, and then a different guy. There was two Mr. French. We're not even going to get into that. <laughs> I didn't know that. It was a bifrancial uh, show. Oh. Uh, um, no, my question is, so they had all of these shows uh, for a period of time in the late sixties, early seventies with teenagers running while music played in the background. Yes. Um, Where did these songs come from? Did they commission new songs for each of these cartoons or did someone just go, eh, what do you got? And they just listened (laughs) to all these bubblegum songs and just went, yes, 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 yes. There's going to be a use for each of these. And if so, was that how a lot of these bands just kept going? Because it seemed like that there was infinite places to put these songs for at least a decade. Yes, you're right. Thank you very much. The end. <laughs> well, if we go if we go back a little bit, it kind of starts with the monkeys. I mean, it starts before that. It starts with like you know the Brill Building and the idea of like you know. Uh, songwriters and 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 tin pan alley is that what it's called wherever people wrote songs you know what i mean yeah, like I so, so yeah. the idea of of these sort of musical factories which existed for a long time you know like people we look back on now like cole porter and hoagie carmichael and irving berlin and people like that of in their day they were like the commercial songwriters of the time they weren't you know they weren't considered by in you know people who were music snobs to be producing anything of great value they were considered to be producing commercial music for for purchase and so there was a whole industry built around that i mean and when we talk about those those kind of writers we're we have what's the, the cream of the cream now right we don't we don't we don't have all the garbage that also came out at the same time all that stuff has just gone away because you know the filth the the kind of cultural filter gets rid of all the the, the dross hopefully and we we just get left with the gold so you know we have the Cole Porters and the Irving Berlins and the the George George and Ira Gershwins, you know, they come to us, but all the rest of those, all the rest of it, most of it anyway, is gone, gone, gone forever. Hmm. And that's how it was for a long time. It wasn't really until the Beatles kind of changed the mold by insisting on being their own uh, kind of independent unit that was completely self self contained and self creating. Hmm. Up to that time, like even when the Beatles started. If you remember our very first episode of Completely Beatles, George. Second, what's this you're talking about? What's... <laughs> Completely Beatles. It was a podcast that, or a sidecast, I should say, that we did. Uh, t- well, Dave, talking I, about the Beatles. By the way, I'm on, I'm on the Sneaky Dragon page. Yeah. Uh, I don't I, I don't know where to find uh, Completely Beatles. I oh. can't go to another page. Well, if you go up to the menu bar, you'll oh, okay, find. I'm here already. Yeah, yeah, you'll see up there it says podcast. If you click on that, you get a selection of our various podcasts. Oh my gosh, there's quite a few here. Yeah, quite a few. But Dave, how much do these cost me a month? Uh, nothing at all, actually. 
All right, but I'm a, I'd like to subscribe to Patreon. Well, if you want to that do okay? that, you're welcome to do that. Of course, we're found at Sneaky Dragon on the Patreon uh, website. If you go to well, patreon.com. I'm sorry to have interrupted you with this, uh, but I'm going sure. I'm, I'm to put myself down for, let's say, $7 a month uh, for <laughs> access to all of these, even though it is free and you can just listen to anyone. Yeah. Okay, well, please continue yeah. with your to tell me about the Beatles. Go. Thank you for putting $7 into your own pocket. So three fifty, we'll split it. Oh, we'll split it. Well, that's very nice. Thank you. So, yeah. So when the Beatles came along, it kind of, it kind of, it kind of wrecked the the system that had been existing for so long. You know, because before that, like all the girl groups, all the du- most like most of the duo groups. I wouldn't say all the duo groups, but most of the duo groups, most of the singing teams that existed, all used outside sources for the most part, for the music that they that they performed. You know, the Beach Boys were around at the same time. They were kind of a self-contained unit as well. But but for the most part, every, you know, and I, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm painting with broad strokes, obviously, because there are people like Chuck, Chuck Berry and Little Richard who wrote their songs, but even they would cover songs. Even, you know, Bo Diddley would, would do a, cover a Willie Dixon song, you know, or Muddy Waters would cover a Willie Dixon song. You know, so there... But in terms of like you know the kind of commercial music, for the most part, it was it was you know very much you know made and produced by you know these kind of coteries of songwriters and producers that were based in New York and and Los Angeles for the most part. And so when the Beatles came along, that kind of dried up for them. Like it was hard, hard suddenly. Like suddenly there weren't all these groups like looking for hit songs to be written by you know Jerry Goffin and Carole King or Ellie Greenwich and and uh, was it Jeff Berry wrote with Ellie Greenwich? You're asking the wrong guy. Jeff Berry wrote with, I'm going to say Ellie Greenwich. I could be wrong. But anyway, you know, or Greenwich. I don't know how to say her name. I just assume <laughs> it's Greenwich because it looks like Greenwich. Uh, well, we'll call it Greenwich in the meantime. Yeah, that's yeah, that's good. Thanks. Thank you for that. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, and so, and so, yeah, so they, they were, you know, they would make these songs. They would produce these songs and, and out they'd go into the world. And, you know, and you had your, you had your Shirelles and your, and your Shangri Laws and all, all the rest of those groups, and and so when the Monkees came along, this was suddenly a, a, a new in for these for these groups, right? Like the very first Monkees album is pretty much this this uh, duo called Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart. They they wrote and produced almost every song on on those albums or on the first album. You know, Last Train to Clarksville, the theme from the Monkees, all that stuff is theirs. There's I think there's like one Jerry Goffin and Carole King song, Take a Giant Step, on there, I believe. But most of it is most of it is by Boys and Heart with a few fill-in songs. The second album, though, everyone realized, all these songwriters back in New York realized, hey, wait a second, like, here's an in for us. And so on that album, it suddenly Boys and Heart have taken a back seat to, you know, Goffin and King and Greenwich and Barry and 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 all, all kinds of different songwriters who are, not only are they writing the songs, they're producing the songs as well, and then just having the monkeys sing on them. And mm-hmm. so, and then, of course, the monkeys got in. Uh, accused of being a plastic and prefab for and all that stuff. And so then they, they did headquarters to prove they could write a song and play their own instrument. <laughs> but as soon as they did that, they also realized how much work it was to do that. So they immediately returned to to working with producers and having songs uh, played by session musicians so they could just walk in and sing them because they were also doing a show, you know, a weekly TV show and also touring to make more money for the for the studio and stuff. So, you know, they, they had a full plate. But once that started, so so... No, the guy who was like the kind of overseer of the monkeys was a guy named Don Kirshner. And what happened was Kirshner was really like super controlling and really putting his ideas into like the, you know, what he wanted the monkeys to be. And the monkeys started to rebel against that. And they got Kirshner fired and and that's when they did headquarters and kind of carried on kind of semi 
autonomously producing and kind of carrying on with their, their career after their musical career after that. Kirshner, though, went on to do the Archies because the Archies couldn't talk back. The Archies weren't actual people who would have their own their own will, you know, and would on, want to be independent of him. So, and so the Archies were kind of the next stage of that. Now you had animated people that you were, you know, you could fill this this demand. And that also kind of worked out because at the end of the 60s, because rock and roll was separating into two different factions, like the Beatles were no longer the unifying force. And so you started having hard rock, which is something that your older brother would listen to. And then what are the what are the little sister listen to? Well, then there's suddenly there's bubblegum. And so bubblegum became this kind of very popular thing amongst tweens and, and young teenagers. And, you know, it's very simple, very simple music, usually uh, organ you know, doing one note through most of the song. And it's, you know, it's very basic kind of stuff. And it's very, and it's, it hit, you know, like the 99 Fruit Gum Company and Ohio Express were popular. And then, and so, you know, everyone's like, well, we got it right in this bubblegum thing. And so it worked so perfectly for all these shows because there was this built-in popular music that was aimed at children, just like the cartoons were. Mm-hmm. And so these songs like slid right into that format. And, you know, if there's a craze, if there's a songwriting craze, there will be songs to fill it. Do not doubt yourself. Like you're thinking, oh, only a few people wrote bubble wrote bubblegum songs. Do you think that? Then how come I have 43 CDs of bubblegum music? You know, like wh- why? Because, and I'm, those are all different songs, because it was popular and people recognized it as something they could make money doing. And so they, you know, they just like put out single after single trying to get that next hit, you know. And some of them work and some of them wouldn't, but they would just basically be like session musicians and a and a session singer just hired to sing this song and then it'd be put out under a name and that band didn't exist at all. And if it was a hit, then they would have to like make up a band. Mm-hmm. They'd have to like create a band to go and tour the song. But yeah, so it was just really worked out. And, you know, it's just crazy. Like when I think about like any kind of like weird, like music musical trend, it doesn't matter what it is. Whether it's freak beat in the like early '60s or psychedelic rock in the in the you know the kind of mid to late '60s or bubblegum or disco or whatever or even I was just listening to I bought this collection it's called All the Young Droogs and it's mm-hmm. like it's like 1969 to 1973 mostly British singles and it's all kind of glammy. Uh, rock and roll because it's it's in a really weird era because you're like well what is this music like what what are they trying to do like it does have like a bit of a glam sound to it and it has a rock and roll sound to it but it's not like anything that was before it or would come after it and it's really particular but you know it was popular enough that here's three cds of the cream of this music and i'm sure if someone really loved it they could dig out way more because you know as long as you have like a singles market it's so easy to make, bring a band into a studio, record two tracks by them, put them out as an A and B single, and if it, you know, A side, B side single, and if it hits, then then you maybe make an album with them. At the very least, you get them out on the tour, or you're touring, and make some money off their backs. But yeah, it was just so it was so crazy. Like every every possible trend, there's like it is an inundation of music around it because it might sell. Hmm. You know, it it maybe it won't. But maybe you'll be that lucky person. Maybe you'll be that guy uh, writing in his basement who writes Funky Town. And they uh, combine the two trends, the one, the Scooby-Doo trend. Yeah. With you know, whatever weird angle you've got. Maybe this time the dog's a ghost. I believe that was <laughs> Goober, 
Uh, I want to say Goober and the Goofballs, but that's not right. Uh, but yeah, is that another and show? That that was that, that was one of them. It was like it was all teenagers, except one of them was uh, the dog was a ghost this time. But they didn't they did hunt ghosts. Yeah, I dearly and, I dearly loved Saturday morning cartoons, but I also played soccer as a kid, and that was always Saturday mornings in those days. Soccer. Sorry, you, Goober and the Ghost Chasers. Yeah, I, I do kind of remember that they, when you say that title. Mm-hmm. Was it any good? No. It's, well, it's like, do you like Scooby Doo? I it's do the like Scooby Doo. It's like the same show, you know. Uh, you know, you got a one character's funny. Yeah. The rest aren't. You know, and uh, you know they do their thing, and then the funny character falls down or likes to eat some food or messes up, and it's... then you got the funky phantom as well, or speed buggy or whatever. They're all this. They're all you know. But would you say one... would you say with Scooby Doo that there are three funny characters? Uh, okay, well, there's Shaggy, there's Scooby, sorry, there's Shaggy, there's Scooby, and then who's the third funny character? Uh, Velma, because Velma loses her glasses, and she she has sort of, like, nearsighted adventures. Well, I'd have to listen to if the laugh track tells me it's funny. That's, that's who I listen to. <laughs> those shows, those shows were great when I was eight, nine. They're unbearable now. Sure. I cannot watch them. I yeah. can't even, I can't watch Spider-Man from that time period. Oh, is that right? Oh, I oh it just bores, yeah, it bores me to tears. So- Oh, it's very boring. Like, don't get me wrong; it's it's incredibly dull, but it's uh, but it's surreal. It's just it, it's 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 a David Lynchian uh, goes too long. Why is this? Why is he taking forever to get across town? Like, did he go to the wrong place? Is he going going backwards now? What's happening? Yeah, and yeah, and then all of a sudden he's like in another dimension fighting a fighting a Robin a Rocket Robin Hood villain. <laughs> it's like he shouldn't be. That's like, what, okay. That was weird when you were a kid when you when you realized that they were the same. <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. I can't remember which show I saw where it was wrong. I don't know if it was Spider Man or Rocket Robin Hood. I can't remember which one I saw. I went, this is a repeat of that other show. Yeah, and and the story doesn't work for either. That's the thing. No, it's, it's like it's, it's not a Spider Man story by any means. No, and it's not a Robin Hood story at all is it like a like dream a rock- sequence because i don't feel like it ends no. does it end at all they don't defeat him do they i think it's one of these situations where uh if i'm remembering it correctly <laughs> he just gets sucked away to another place and then he has to do the thing and they yeah. don't really get into why it just is just like, shut up it happened <laughs> shut up yeah 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 it's fine yeah that's that's the thing you're fine and it was like dimension seven or something along those lines uh there's some people that know a lot about this <laughs> not us <laughs> But no, uh, no I'm not I'm not one of them. I can yeah. give you a potted history of uh, animation uh, music use in cheap cartoons, but yeah. I'll listen I'll listen to the uh I'll listen to the listening party episode where you do that. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. I'll go through it all. Yeah, yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah, that sounds all right. Uh <laughs> by the way, uh there were two uh Mr. Frenches in uh in in that show Sebastian uh were they uh, is, is that called French kissing cousins? <laughs> exactly. Uh family family fair we were talking about uh, Sebastian Cabot plays Mr. French. Yeah. Uh, and Sebastian Cabot uh, passed away in a uh, British Columbian town. What British Columbian town did he die in? Was it Victoria? You got it, sir. That is absolutely correct. Is that right? Yep. Man, I'm doing good. Yeah, you are doing quite good. He lived in he lived in BC for uh, like his later years. I did not know that. Yep. So did he uh, leave the show of his own volition? This is a very good question. Oh, yeah. I always suspect it was a money situation, but I don't. Ah, uh, he asked for money, and they said no. We're going to continue to pay know. you in in tuna kish, in tuna fish, tuna kish. Yeah, he lived in Deep Cove near Saanich. Oh, yeah. Huh. So there you go. That's a there very nice. That's go. a very nice area. Uh, and um, yeah, and then he was replaced by 
Don uh, Donuts. No, not. Oh, that'd be interesting. Uh, hi, Mr. French. Okay, are you? <laughs> I don't think you are. Uh, he was replaced by uh, John uh, Williams, not the musician John Williams. You say that, but but uh, a fella who was in um, like uh, quite quite a few movies. He was in Dial M for Dial M for Murder. He was the chief inspector in that. Ah. You probably recognize him to see him. Okay. Um, you know, he's in like a lot of things. He was in Sabrina. I believe he was the the, the father of Sabrina in Sabrina. He was the guy who like uh, was uh, the chauffeur. In Sabrina? Oh, Sabrina. The, the, oh, in the movie. I've never seen that movie. Oh, I think uh, you would enjoy it. I probably it's, would. It's a, it was, it's an enjoyable movie. And uh, will success spoil Rock Hunter and Witness for the Prosecution and so hmm. on and so forth. Man, I, yeah, he's in a, a whack of stuff. I've seen some of those movies, but probably not, did not pay attention to the. That is uh, absolutely uh, fine. Sorry, John. That's, sorry to John Williams. No, that is that is absolutely fine. Oh, I'm looking at like one of the worst ones of the Scooby Doo knockoffs. Oh, oh, uh, and it was the uh, Schmoo one. Oh, but he was Sh- on also on Scooby Doo, wasn't he? Uh, well, it, not really. He, it was oh. Fred and Barney meet the Schmoo, but they don't really meet the Schmoo. Oh, uh, Schmoo has his own adventures, and they'll meet him kind of in the interstitials. Yeah, uh, where I believe yeah. they were they were police officers. I don't know how police officers. Uh, <laughs> and then maybe Shmoo was doing something he shouldn't. Have. But again, it was Shmoo solving mysteries with some teens, and so Shmoo would do something. One of the teens was a big dumb guy. The other one was a nerd, and one was a pretty girl. And they'd uh, you know do the thing. But why is Shmoo in that? Could the Shmoo the t- character? Could why he, he talk? There? Could he? Could the Shmoo talk? I think he could just go. Yeah, says, maybe you could say shmoo. But he wouldn't, uh, you know, like in Little Abner, wouldn't turn himself into food and let himself be eaten. <laughs> they were, they were a, uh, obviously a satirical thing. But the, yeah, because that's interesting because like the, in, the in, in, in its day, in the day of Little Abner, that was a huge sensation. Enormous. Shmoo. Yeah. Like it was like. It I was don't mo- remember it firsthand. I'm not that old. Well, but, no. Uh, I mean, dad, my dad told me how much people were like crazy for Schmoo. Yeah, like Schmoo was just huge. It was like marketed every which way. It was they had toys and you know little bit, bits of you know things you could pick, pick. Obviously, things with his image you could buy, and yeah, it was just like made Al Cap a lot of money. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, and I guess like he made him money like later on as well with uh, with this with. Yeah, that was weird. Just oh, I don't. I, mean, I think he was dead by that point. He died in the early seventies, so I don't think he would have been around for the for the smooth. Okay, maybe well, his, was maybe his family was hoping, or maybe the the syndicate, Universal Syndicate, or whoever he was with, King Features, wanted to you know see if they could wring one little one one last dime out of that uh, concept. There's another knockoff that's here. Sorry, I'm looking at the knockoffs. Uh, knocking it off. was uh, Casper and the Angels, and of course the Angels. Charlie's are... Angels. Charlie's Angels knockoffs. Okay. I believe, like, Captain Caveman also had the Teen Angels. Ah. So, like, the idea of angels is, is something. But when I hear Casper and the Angels and they're solving mysteries, yep. now, oh, we're, we're, we're somewhere. Like, <laughs> just that title, because it's like, Casper's a ghost. Mm-hmm. So what if he's teaming up with, like, ladies, but they're angels? Like, mm-hmm. oh, they're dead, too. But <laughs> what, are, what are they doing? What kind of mysteries are these guys solving? Nah, they're just some, uh... oh, oh, no, here's the thing. Um, just some bobby soxers no you would think that but there's another twist that's oh, thrown on wait a second that's not enough. what do you think the extra twist is completely unnecessary well there's two twists one there one i'll just say there's another goofy ghost character with a big red nose and a giant uh floppy bow tie who's just the hoo hoo there's that guy all right but what's the other twist uh that goes on while well, casper 
and these uh, women and the goofy ghost are solving mysteries. The other twist. <laughs> it's the setting. Let me say it's the setting. The setting. Oh, are they on the moon? They're not on the moon. Oh, wait, no. They're, um, oh, I don't know. I was going to say hell, but that doesn't make sense. Go on. <laughs> They're solving mysteries in hell. Someone's gotta. Do you know the crime rate there is out of control? Oh man, I keep oh speaking gosh. too loudly. What what's the punishment if they get caught? Ah, you look at you. You you committed this crime in hell, so we're sending you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know to the next level of hell. <laughs> it's a weird thing for me to be doing as Casper. Okay, fine. No, they're in the future, far far future. Oh. Which I guess technically Casper's immortal. He's not going to age, so I guess. Yeah. You know, and it looks like. Again, technically, he's got friends now, which is all he wanted. So he's okay. He's fine. Are these angels but, actually cherubs? No, they're just, uh, you know. Oh, uh, some, they're just some hotties. They're, well, let's not even go that crazy. There's a, there's <laughs> one. Then there's kind of, you know, kind of a goof goofball type. Oh, really? I'm sure, I'm sure she's the brains. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. She doesn't have glasses, so she can't be smart if she doesn't have glasses. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I just look at this. That's, and why, that's like, why I wear them. Yeah, I just look at this and I just go like, how hard was it to pitch a show back then? Like anything, <laughs> anything would stick. Like, uh, do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember on, uh, at the beginning of the TV season, one, one station would have like a like a what's coming on Saturday morning cartoons show on. I'd love it. Yeah, so I remember. Crazy I remember it, watching yeah. that. Yeah, just being like, oh, you know, it was a lot of Croft Super Show stuff and all that. Yeah, Captain Cool and the Kongs would lead you through it and let you know. <laughs> the the one that impressed me the most, yeah, because I I didn't know what it was, was uh, Shazam, and it just it was just like, okay, so it's a teenage guy and uh, an older guy, and they're in a van, and like, oh, there's there's some trouble. Oh, okay, what's going to happen? And so it's just a little clip, and they got out, and he just walks over to a, a piece of the woods and just goes Shazam. And then lightning hits him and he becomes a superhero and he just flies. What? What's that? That's great. That's excellent. And, and the transformation to Captain Marvel was way better than it should have been. Yeah, and, no, you're right. I remember watching that show. And clearly they blew their budget on that because <laughs> when they talk to the elders, they can just barely move their mouths. It's clutch cargo style almost. They're all just super stiff and they're standing in a cave. And he's asking asking them questions about, you know, oh, this kid's running away. What should I do? <laughs> Solomon. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, just ask Solomon. You don't need the rest of the day. What's Zeus going to tell you about this? Yeah. How can he relate to the teens of today? Like, <laughs> this, this kid thinks that smoking's a good idea. What do you think about that, Hercules? Well, when I was cleaning out the stables, I got I got nothing. I got no connection to this. <laughs> yeah. Let him smoke. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> you know, that's nothing. But please worship us. Worship us. Do they demand to be worshipped? They, I thought, no, they demand to be worshipped. I thought they just—I like, thought they're just like kind of the the board. They're like a strata council. They are, and somehow um, somehow Solomon worked his way onto this team, which is always great. It's <laughs> yeah. like, okay, Zeus, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Hercules, okay, makes some sense. Sure. Atlas, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, Achilles, all right, maybe Mercury. Yeah, yeah, of course, give you Mercury and Solomon. Well, there's two there that aren't aren't because Achilles yeah. is not a god. Achilles was like a great warrior, but he wasn't a god. But he did have a superpower. What was the superpower? That he was uh, invulnerable except for his heel. Oh, okay. Which, frankly, next time you go up against Captain Marvel, yeah, kick him in the heel, <laughs> dead. Shoot him in the heel. Shoot him in the heel, dead. That's his one weak spot. From from where I'm sitting, I can see my uh, Shazam, uh, DC Comics, one of those big kind of thick books that. 
the black and white collections, I have I have the first Shazam book because it had some CC Beck art in it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, you mean you mean of the relaunch in the seventies? That's right. It's a relaunch in the seventies, but it still okay. it still has some CC Beck art. I wouldn't say the stories are are great, but uh, the art artwork by him is really top notch. Auto Binder was uh, gone by that point, right? Yeah. Here, let me pull it down. Just one second. Sure. It's me again. I was able to do it without uh, knocking everything over. So uh, let's see here. The fir- the stories are. Oh, it's giving it's it's giving us the art, but not the. Oh, the reverse one is written by Denny O'Neill. Okay. So Denny O'Neill wrote wrote that with CC Beck art. Then there's um, E. Nelson Bridwell mm-hmm. also contributed. A guy named Elliot Magan, who I don't know. Elliot S. Magan, yeah. Okay, this is before the S. All right. Or maybe the S is a different Elliot Megan. Maybe he had to put no, the S in. No, I think it's the, it's the same one. Okay. If it, was, if it was that time period, it was the same one. He just thought that would be better. He should have called himself E. Pennington Megan. <laughs> uh, yeah, that seems to be the, the, the most of the writers. But there's a lot of C.C. Beckard in this, so I, that's, why I, that's why I picked it up. Then it changed to, to Dave Cockrum doing the uh, sometimes Bob Ox. It just feels like um, Dave Cockrum, he's fine, but his art isn't really like... It's not the fun art of C.C. Beck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Captain Marvel needs that very simple kind of beautiful, clean, clean line art, not the busy, shadowy, over over brushworked art of of seventies cartoon or, of comic book artists. You can't go wrong making it a bit simple. Even mm-hmm. even even the movie we talked about the movie on our fansplainer show. Sure. Even the movie, yeah. I think, when it it was the simplest, it was just simple emotions and simple things and. Doing simple stuff, that's when Captain Marvel works the best. Then you get complicated, weird demons that are just really uh, over-CGI, and it's like, meh, that doesn't work. <laughs> too much business. Too yeah, much business. Too much business. Indeed. We don't need too much business. We don't, we don't need any of that. So okay, just keep them, keep them nice and simple. And he's great. He's got a great outfit, like one of the best outfits. You know, it's, uh, well, it's I think fantastic. so, and I think they really make it kind of cool in the movie where they have the glowing mm. uh, insignia, which, you know, you don't you don't see in the in the comics, so... Yeah, you know what makes it for me is uh, the boots and okay, well, a couple of things. Uh, the boots and the cape, mm-hmm. especially, yeah, because it's a weird cape that no one else has. <laughs> Just the so short, weird. the short cape with the kind and of braided short cape with little flowers on it, and uh, it's gold, it's gold trimmed, and it's like, what's that? No one's got that. That's a very nice. That's a nice cape. What's that about? Oh yeah, I never no noticed there that. were flowers on it before. Well, it's got. Oh, I, I think they are. They're like little crosses that are flower. Look like flowers to me. Uh, but uh, take a look. You you tell me if you think those are flowers or not. The the other no, you're right. They are flowers. The other great thing about uh, Shazam is Talkie Tawny, the talking tiger. Mm-hmm. Mr. Talkie Tawny. Mr. Talkie. Sir. Sorry, I forget. Uh, Mr. Talkie or Mr. Talker Tawny Esquire. I think he owned a house at some point. So mm-hmm. he um yeah he's just a great character because he's. He's a tiger, but he's like a, a civilized tiger who wears the wears the suit jacket and smokes a pipe, which I just love. I just love that whole the whole corniness of that. I think because partly because I like I love like kind of fifties iconography of of that kind of you know pipe smoking dad kind of stuff. You know, I really like all that. When I used to buy um, children children's books for the girls, I would always gravitate towards like the golden books that would be like had been illustrated in the forties and fifties. Those were the ones that like I I just could not resist. Um, getting those, and I just loved all the. I just love the art style for one thing, but I also just like all the all the the house designs and everything. It's it's right in my uh, right in my aesthetic. But I just well, lo- some, sorry, go sorry. ahead. Yep, you know, no, I was, was going to say that, that uh, 
Louis, the thing that uh, makes uh, Captain Marvel as well is yep. uh, he's got great villains. Like it's mm. and so few superheroes have have great villains. They almost always just have the one villain who's the reverse of them, and yeah. he's got that with Black Adam. Black Adam is the bad version of him. He's sure, like a, sure. you know, he decided, uh, oh, I'm going to do bad things. It's like, oh no, that's, we didn't plan for this. We should have. Giving, <laughs> when giving did people infinite power might have been wrong? When did Black uh, Adam appear? Is he is from the original run? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he was one of the original villains. Though he wasn't, if I'm getting this, re- was he? Yes, he was part of the Monster Society of Evil. But you look at like the Monster Society of, of Evil, which was one of the best old Captain Marvel stories. And you got Mr. Mind, who's like an evil little worm but with that, a little speaking box. That's the one problem I had with the movie was they, they showed Mr. Mind. Mm. Because in the in the original comic run, you didn't see who was controlling the group. And so you had this buildup in your mind of who he was because this guy's in charge of all these villains. Yeah. Like this this guy's boss, bossing around Dr. Savannah. Yeah. Like that's and crazy. Mr. Mind. Yeah, and he's That's Mr. Mind, and, and then when you finally see him, name. and he's like a he's like an earthworm or caterpillar or something like that, and you're like, <laughs> "That's that's is great," you know, like wearing glasses. Yeah. <laughs> How did he get the glasses? Who made the glasses? How did he know he needed glasses? Yeah. What's he need glasses for? Like, like I like I don't mind them. I don't mind the idea of them kind of like like kind of uh you know whatever the word is. I was gonna say pimping, but it's not right. But anyway, I don't mind them like. You know, trying to like draw draw the audience in for the next film by like hinting at the that they're gonna have the you know they're gonna have that as a concept, but the, it should just be a voice. It should mm-hmm. be a disembodied voice that's talking to to Savannah at the end of the movie, so you don't know who it is. Because I think most people don't know that storyline and would be surprised, or maybe they thought it'd be too silly. But it feels like it's sillier to show it right away, and it's like the audience is going like, "What? It's just a caterpillar? <laughs> like what?" <laughs> You kind of need to have that build up to, to to when you get to Mr. Mind. You're like, ah, oh, this is the this is the being that is so powerful and so intelligent that even Doctor Savannah will listen to. Him. Yeah, and then what? Yeah. yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah, they kind of they kind of messed that up in the movie. They have a weird like one uh, one of the people in the Monster Society of Evil is uh, Augar and uh, O G G A R. Okay, and his, his origin is just so neat to me, which is. Uh, Shazam originally was called Shazamo. Okay. Because he was a powerful wizard and he led uh, like a group of heroes. And that was Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, and Mercury. And, and, o- and Odysseus. And <laughs> well, they might have, maybe that would have been a good idea. But they went with Augar instead. Uh, oh, okay. And, and yeah, and these guys were a super team. And he and and he was basically the Professor X, you know, the leading things was Shazam. Yeah. But then power corrupted Augar. And so uh, he wouldn't help people uh, being invaded. And so he got kicked out and was all mad. And yeah, and then Shazamo had to change his name to Shazam. And uh, you know, I was like, oh, that's that's really neat. I, I like uh, I like Shazamo. And I'm like, no, you're off the team. Changing my name. <laughs> there we go. That's a good, yeah, that is a good storyline. Yeah. And then you got uh, Captain Nazi. I mean, there you go. I mean, that's just money in the just bank. Just the name right there. Is so I mean, that's just perfect, right? It's like, what, what, who is he? It's Captain Nazi. Yeah. Done. That's, that's like um, when, uh, when Peter Bogdanovich told uh, Orson Welles the name he'd come up with for Paper Moon. He said, what do you think of Paper Moon? And Orson Welles said, you don't even need to make the movie. Just release the title. I feel the same <laughs> way about Captain Nazi. You know, like, you don't even need a villain. Just release the title. I'm trying to think who IBAC stands for, uh, but his uh, his his deal 
He was, was like a like he was like a robot or a cyborg or something. Right? No, no, that was Mister uh, Mister Adam. Oh, oh, was was that guy? Uh, oh. Iback was was um, a guy who was a Stanley Stinky Print Whistle. Uh, <laughs> so he was a he was a crook who tried to blow up a bridge, <laughs> okay. but he's caught in the explosion yeah. uh, and thrown off due to Captain Marvel. But yeah. he's saved by um, Lucifer. Oh, Lucifer saves him. Uh, yeah. He goes like, "Hey, how about, do you want to be a champion of evil uh, and defeat Captain Marvel in exchange for your soul?" Yes, sir. <laughs> so uh, he summons up four historical villains. I'm trying to think who they were, and then he says the word "I back" and uh, becomes uh, the big muscle man uh, with a buzz cut. And uh, there, I think it's like Ivan the Terrible. I think Attila the Hun must be in there. Yeah, Attila the Hun, probably Caligula, probably for the C. Oh, is it I'm C? Trying... I think it was a K. Oh. So, okay, C. Yeah, uh, Ivan the Terrible, uh, Caesar Borgia, Borgia. Okay, yeah. Uh, sure. Attila the Hun, you're right, and Caligula. That was uh, that was. Ah, it. Caligula. Ah. You know, so hey, good group. Um, sure. So that's I back. Then you got Doctor. I'm Savannah, so evil. I will elect my horse to the Senate. <laughs> That's all he does. Is he replaces <laughs> political figures with horses? That would be a great, great thing. Yeah. Then you got uh, Savannah Black Adam, who we yeah. talked about. King uh, King Cull, who was like a, a mean Hager the Horrible. Okay. You know, just, just a just a big Viking type yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Hager, uh, Hager the Horrible is kind of mean. He, she, he murders so many people. And then uh, Mr. Adam, who you were talking about. That's right. Uh, okay. A radioactive robot. That's, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's all great. What a great freaking team. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's so fun. Like, I do I do hope they do things in the movies in the future where they just like, yeah, just bring bring them all in, man. <laughs> just, just, just go to town. Just have fun. Yeah. Just go, go for it. Yeah, I mean, I hope they don't go too soon to the Monster Society of Evil, which, by the way, is a great title because... A great mm-hmm. name, right? Because you know, Society of Evil. Who cares? But Monster Society of Evil. I mean, whoa, ho, ho, that's crazy. Yeah. But I hope they don't uh, well, go too soon to that. They need to like build up the other villains, right? Before well, the can, problem. Like... The problem with that then is, you know, how long do you wait for actors to, you know, you're you're then really hoping that they'll be in the same shape and yeah, and everyone will be right. like down with them in eight years. I'm like, mm, you know, hips, <laughs> hips and backs, hips and backs. Maybe you wanna. Is that, why, is that why Chris now. Evans left uh, his Captain America role? Well, he did a lot of movies, that guy, is that character. Oh, I know, he did, yeah. Yeah, well, you give him a, yeah, it's nice to see him just standing around and defending his son that might be a murderer in that Apple show. It's like, good for him, he gets to sit down, gets to get in the car, walk <laughs> I haven't seen that, I just, saw him, I just saw him being a murderer in a different movie. Oh, well, Dave. Yes. One of, one of uh, the people who might be a murderer, yeah, you're right. Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's the situation. Um, uh, here's a here's a quick thing on Shazam since we're talking about this, and it's uh, one of the things I like the most. Um, so Mary Marvel, who was uh, Billy Batson's uh, twin sister, who he didn't know about, and of course, um, you know, and of course, our daughter Mary, named after Mary Marvel. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. Mm, okay, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's true. What I'm saying. Um, yeah, he was doing this whole uh, Star Wars thing before there was Star Wars. Yeah. Like, oh, my forgotten. A twin sister who I didn't know about, but he doesn't try to like make out with her or anything, so there isn't it's that awkwardness. Um, but she had the uh, powers of a female god, ah. and so uh, she had the powers of uh, still spelt Shazam, yeah. Selena, Hippolyta, goddess of the moon. Oh, I, mm. Selena, not yeah, I don't know. Uh, Hippolyta is uh, Wonder Woman's mom, I know that much. Okay, uh, Arid, I don't know how you pronounce this, A R I A D N E. Ariadne. There you go. Uh, 
Zephyrus, uh, okay. Aurora, and Minerva. And so there you go. So Aurora, goddess of the dawn. Minerva. Is Minerva, I guess Minerva was a... Yeah, I like how Minerva... they mix up all the, you know, they kind of mix up between the different... Uh... Minerva was Athena, right? It's the same. That's yeah, the same. I believe you believe you're right. So that's war and uh, and knowledge. Yes, um, but uh, you can't have uh, knowledge without war. What's the What's the twist on Zephyrus that uh, that makes uh, Zephyrus stand out a bit from the other uh, from the other? It's the only gods. one they get fine with is Zed. That is true, which led to this. What is what makes them different? Oh, what makes Zephyrus different from the rest of them? Yep, Zephyrus is not a Greek or Roman god. Zephyrus is not a woman. Oh, <laughs> Zephyrus is a guy. Oh, yeah. So they they didn't uh, know that at the time. They just found it and went good. And uh, they're in a uh, rush. Yeah, yeah. You're in a rush, and then you get it off, and then you go. Uh, you know, that's a guy. What? Oh, oh no. Oh dear. Uh, okay. Fine. Who let college professors read Shazam? Get out of here, you guys. Yeah, is a, but he is a Greek god. He's a Greek god of the West Wind. I the, see. The gentlest of the winds. Well, he's, yeah, so uh, he's a messenger of spring. Oh, well, you know, clo- pretty close. But I'll tell you something about the guy. Yeah, he's got he's got a lot of wives. Oh, really? Like a, like a lot of wives. Mm. Yeah, I tell you, just. Mm. Uh, yeah. uh, he, he also killed uh, one of Apollo's uh, many male lovers uh, huh. out of jealousy. Because he loved Apollo. I guess so. Yeah, he well, killed him uh, with a well, uh, yeah with a I discus. Know. A discus. Well, yeah. The discus-related mystery. See, now there you go. Now, now, now you can have a thing. You can have a thing with like, a, you just gotta. Oh, here's what you do. Yeah. Here's my here's my pitch. It's the 1970s. Sure. Um, uh, Cerberus. Yeah. Is the Scooby-Doo, and then it's the Teen Gods. Yeah. And they're solving uh, gods-related mysteries. Sure. Can I just suggest a song for the show? What's that? Uh, discus, discus duck. Like the people, because someone's throwing one around, so you gotta. Duck and cover, right? So I love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm all on board. And here's what you do: yep. you got to have the three uh, the three heads all have different voices, and <laughs> and so they're uh, the Marx Brothers. Ah, there you yeah. go. That's there good. you go. One is silent, of course. So it's a lot of like just making faces. <laughs> and I don't really know how you do that. Maybe the dog just starts humping a leg, and it's like, oh, you know. You... <laughs> all right. Nothing would make yeah. you more comfortable than having a three-headed dog hump your leg. I don't know what kind of music you would use while they're running around. The, like the song it is suggested. Yeah, well, that's your opening theme song, but you can't oh, play oh, that. Okay. Like, it's got to be something else while they're jumping in and out yeah, of urns yeah, yeah. and like, <laughs> bobbing their heads up. And sometimes it's just one of the dog's heads in each of the urns. Yeah. And like, how did he split up like that? Oh, well, it's... And Zeus is always being grumpy and like, ooh, you know, quit breaking things. And it's all mad. I think what we should have, actually, is kind of go... Hear me out. I know this is going to sound a little out of left field, but I think we should have classical minimalist composer Philip Glass writing 50-minute long repetitive songs for the for the chase sequences, or longer if you prefer. Okay. We could have 20 to 30-minute long, uh, you know, songs that you know just do the same thing over and over again. Okay. You know, that'd be and, the, and the team and the team are called the Glass Holes. <laughs> All right. Well, how about if we get the minimalist composer Stephen Reich to do something then? Okay. Listen, I think you're getting too many minimalists in one <laughs> one area. I'm just hoping. I was hoping you would make a pun on that name. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I wish I could have uh, jumped on board that. I, I just was like, right. man, there's a lot of minimalists here. I got, there's a lot of yes and budding going along here. All right. I would um, like to now see minimalist mouse, and it's just like his <laughs> version of Disneyland, and just like there's not much here. Not I know. Much at all. I know. 
Oh, well, how, how long does this ride last? I don't know, about 10 seconds. You kind of get it, right? Yeah. Good. You having a good time? Yeah, we well, are done. Get out. I'm like, oh, okay. Jeez, minimalist mouse. <laughs> well, they call themselves minimalist, but they really like to stretch an idea. Uh, you're not wrong. You're not, uh, <laughs> you're not incorrect. No uh, CC back and auto binder, I'll tell you that much. You know, Ian, I'm gonna jump. I do. I, I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump off this topic. Okay. I do think it's a good topic, but we'll come back to it again because it's yeah. inevitable. It's inevitable. Yeah, you're not. Oh man, <laughs> but, that took a dark turn. <laughs> but so eventually, we'll talk about everything. What? <laughs> you, and then you again, died a while back. I died. Yes, you know that whole thing where like being chased by a monster. Yeah, it's just po- it's podcasts in the afterlife. Oh no. <laughs> okay. Um. We, we were talking about the various podcasts that we, we do earlier we in the do. show, but we we left out one, which we're doing right now, which is called Fansplainers. And I thought maybe people were wondering why one did not appear this week. And uh, that's because I, I heard it. I don't know why they didn't hear. Why didn't they hear it? I heard it. <laughs> you heard it because we did it. We did it together. Yeah. We recorded like two hours and 20 minutes of brilliance. <laughs> I thought it was great. We talked about a movie. We I don't know if I want to give the title because maybe we'll approach it again, but... We uh we fixed it. We made it better. Let's put it that. Let's put it. Be honest. Yeah, I had a lot of opinions about it, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I was glad to like work my way through it. Sure. I've been bothering my wife with it every so often. Like I'll just go <laughs> and another thing. Where did you get the hat? Where the hat come from? Yeah, a lot of them. And well, I mean, I have an answer for you, but uh, we won't go to it. But unfortunately, after we did the show, I decided it would be kind of funny if I pretend to be talking to you and hung up. The Skype at the same time I was talking. Sounds funny to me. It was. It was just a little, little bit of a funny gag. So I was talking to you and I turned and turned off Skype. And as I turned in the chair, the the cable for my headphones got had gotten wrapped around the arm of my chair and it yanked the digital recorder onto the floor. And I don't know if it landing on the concrete or what happened, but it it jarred it and it and it disappeared the show i must have had like a power outage because i do know that i have to press stop when we're done in order for the show to be finalized into the onto the sd card so for instance doing this show if there was a power outage we would lose the show Mm. because the electricity would turn off and it would turn off the power to the digital recorder and we would lose the show theoretically i do have batteries in it so the batteries would would, would help that prevent that from happening but but in theory like if it lost power and it turned off, the show would be lost. Mm. And, and so that's, I think, what happened. And so you can imagine just like, cause I, because we've been sort of um, doing them in the last minute, the last little while. So we were recording on Tuesday and normally would come out on Wednesday. So you, we would, you and I would say goodbye. I would then turn off the, the machine because I cannot turn it off while we're talking because I can only hear you through it while we're, when yeah, we're doing it. We did a joke because like the last week, yeah, you, we were saying goodbye. Yeah, and I was like, eh, "That's that's all I got to say." Well, it's good talking to you. And as I'm like recent to hit the, oh, one more thing, and I'm like, "Oh no!" And so this time I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna wait for you to do it." That's right. That's what you said. Right. And, and that's then, why I did the little thing where I was talking and then I turned it off. So then it is kind of like the same same effect. So we all we all had a good laugh and went like, you know what? This evening really worked out. It really did. It was, and I put my hands behind my head and it went, Aces. nothing could possibly go wrong. <laughs> Even God himself could not <laughs> ruin this perfect podcast. Oh, Lord. Oh, so the, you could just imagine my, my feeling when I when I you know, took the, the SD card out of the player and put it into my computer 
and there was no show at all on on the card like nothing nothing there at all and i'm like oh my god what and i just couldn't even figure out what happened like i was just like flabbergasted because to be honest with you i have knocked that digital recorder onto the floor many times because it was situated in the most idiotic way because i don't want to waste battery using it i have it plugged in but it's like the, the they give you the shortest possible usb cord for it and by the way it's a proprietary usb cord like you just can't use like a regular phone one in it it has to be the one that came with with the unit and so it's like it's like a i don't know how long the how long is that thing it's about maybe 18 inches long the cord it's really short and so to reach from the power bar that i have screwed to my wall i had to like leave the digital recorder like kind of perched on the edge of the table and so even when i'm doing shows with mary I'm, and i'm flipping around and trying to turn on the trying to turn music on the computer and then you know deal with this and that i'm always getting everything wrapped around each other and the digital recorder is falling on the ground and at some point i should have been i should have said to myself i really should bring an extension cord out here and plug it in somewhere else instead of leaving it in this in this uh, vulnerable place but i didn't and then it fell on the floor and and unlike other times where it's just kind of continued to record it turned off or it did something and it erased the show and oh my heart my heart died and i i do have a program on my computer people are probably gonna thinking why didn't you use recover or a program like that which I did. I did use my Recuva program, R-E-C-U-V-A, which is a very good program. One time, like a total goofball, I had to go to the American Embassy to pick up my, my passport. The night before, I had recorded the show. I put the SD card into my wallet, and then I proceeded to drive into Vancouver, go to the American Embassy, walk through an x-ray machine, which then erased the SD card that had the show I'd recorded the night before on it. And I blithely went home, you know, the next day, put it into the computer and discovered it would have been erased completely. But in that case, there was the show there. It was there. It had just been deleted, erased by, by the machine. Okay. So I could use Recover to recover those files, which I did. And then I was able to, to use the show and post the show. But because it got turned off before it was finalized, it was not on the, not on the disc at all. So there, Recover could recover a few stray things that were on there, but not that, not that episode because it did not exist on the SD card. So it's gone forever, and it's very depressing. I, the the next day at work, I I can't believe I didn't make a bunch of mistakes all day long because I just felt like I wasn't even there. I was just walking around the whole time, going, "I can't believe I lost a whole show," <laughs> which has happened before. I think I I think I figured out over the length of the show, I have pretty much been able to erase, delete, lose, and some other way destroy a show any any way possible. I, I've done it every which way. I have accidentally saved over shows. I have deleted them accidentally. I have lost SD cards. My, my favorite was uh, like, there was one where like you'd just taken the SD card out at the table and just sit up and like, yeah, well, time to go whoop, right to a glass of ice water. Nice, <laughs> fresh ice water. Fortunately, fortunately, SD cards have no moving parts. So it was fine. The show was fine. But yes, that could have been a disaster as well. <laughs> That was pretty pretty bad. Oh, I remember one time we recorded a whole show with Vicky, and mm-hmm. I went to I went to save it, and I accidentally erased it instead of saving it. <laughs> I don't even know what I was doing. Anyway, but luckily that time it was in a temp file on the computer, so I was able to rescue it that way. Oh, what was the one that I've got? A, I've got a picture of you looking at uh, the computer in shock. There's the, and I put that up on our page. And I'm trying to remember what I think that was. That the, was another night of that, that was the. Was that I think the that was Vicky a Vicky night. one. I think that was a Vicky one. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, yeah. there's so many, so many ways. 
I think that I think at, at this point we just need to take out an old timey tape recorder well, and just put it. it next to us and just go click when uh, when this is going on and then just record it all. That's it. One of the very first albums that was ever recorded digitally was Steely Dan's Goat Show. And there's a famous story about that album where there was a song they were working on and they asked the engineer to do something like a rewind or whatever and he accidentally deleted it. Mm. And it's not like in the old days where you had to like go through a lot of rigmarole to erase something. No, you just press a button and you erase it. And he erased this entire song. And so that song is gone. They never like tried to duplicate it, like redo it. They just said, oh, well, it's gone, whatever. I'm sure they were upset, but you know, there's nothing they could do about it. It was gone. And so... And yeah, and I've you know, and silly me, I've often at, when I first heard that story, I kind of scoffed at that poor, poor sap losing, <laughs> losing a song. What a dope! <laughs> uh, so yeah, I've I've paid I've paid in full for my hubris because uh, that's uh, that is a hard hard pill when you realize that all your hard work and you know it's not the hardest job in the world doing a podcast. I'm not saying that we're digging a ditch here, but we you know. We sit down for two hours. We think about what we're going to talk about. We, especially for fan explainers, you know, I I, mm-hmm. I I do notes. I came with notes, and we discuss things. We had ideas for stuff. We we went all through it, and then the all the end of that is nothing. We get nothing for it. There's no there's no yeah, show out there was, for people. It was no fucking around talking about Scooby Doo. <laughs> That's right. Not like this show where we just we just yeah. screw around, and it's just like a complete complete haphazard. You're lucky if anything yeah. good happens at all. No, no, it's nothing like that. It's this, you know, fansplainers or listening party are like intentional shows. Like we walk in the door with like intentions and we come out of it with something that we have cr- kind of crafted. That right. is this not is, that is not is the a, case uh, with Sneaky Dragon. No, this is clearly a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Sneaky Dragon is one long series of mistakes, usually around an hour and a half to two hours of them, you know. And for some reason, we just keep putting them out there. And, and, I, and I don't think people are wrong to enjoy it. But... I, <laughs> But, That's our slogan. You're not wrong to enjoy <laughs> you're it. You're not wrong to enjoy it. But at the same time, you know, it is it is what it is. So what we're saying is uh, we're sorry we uh, had to skip a week. Yeah. But we'll be back with uh, another one in two weeks. In the meantime, please listen to infinite other podcasts we've done. <laughs> or let me throw this out there as like a little something. Is, yep. uh, if you're out there and like there's a movie that uh, – I'll make this actually one of our questions for this week. Okay. Uh, if there's a movie out there that you think people should see that they have not seen, uh, what I ask you to do is uh, write like a maybe like a, a couple of sentence review. You do a little review, a little, little talk it up, little uh, thing like, hey, you know, and ideally, if we're going with the theme that we are right now, mm-hmm. uh, where we're uh, trying to find stuff that's streamable online, you know, what's a movie that's like available that people could watch that maybe they wouldn't be watching? Uh, uh, right up like hey what's that about what do you like about it what's going on and uh and uh you know share uh share share that with uh, someone else with our with the rest of our uh listeners cool yeah i think that's damn cool hey you know what is cool dave unless you've got more to say and that's okay if you do uh but letters i think are very cool oh i just want to talk about one more thing before before we oh, lovely we go then let's do that because yes, go for it uh lisa and i went away this weekend we took a we took a trip up to Kelowna. And no, we're not responsible for the massive fire that's burning there right now. Okay. But we were there pre-fire. Although 
If you're because in... Dave, I know you've got a uh, best-selling book right now, and so I know you bring a lot of heat with you. That's you true. Wherever I go, I bring a lot of heat, but we are not responsible for whatever's happening in the Okanagan right now. Okay, oh, you're responsible for the best-selling book, though. We'll talk more about that later. To be fair, when you go to the Okanagan, wherever you drive, you will see signs that at some point recently there was a fire <laughs> that burned through sure. that area. It's not an uncommon sight. If you drive along and you go, oh, a fire burned through here, because it always like comes down the hill... And there's all these, you know, remnants of trees, and then it crosses the road, and then it carries on down the hill towards the lake. And I guess it just kind of peters out of the lake where the water is. It goes, enough of that. And I remember we were visiting Kelowna. Lisa's brother was staying up there, and he in, he invited us up. And we so we went up there, and we kind of camped on their campsite it, at I think it was south. Uh, I can't remember. The, I can't remember what the park was, but it was right. It was right in the lake. Right in right like right on the, uh, the edge of the lake. This nice campsite and park. And the night we got there though was the night that that big fire that that burned Kelowna down. Not not quite that, but burned down a lot of stuff around Kelowna mm. was just starting. Like that night, and we could look across the lake and we could see the burning embers slowly like appearing on the hillside as the fire was because the fire was mostly burning underground as well because that's the problem with these fires it's they're not like obviously roaring away and easy to easy to spot they're like burning along underground and so they can travel hundreds of feet if not you know hundreds and hundreds of feet before that they reappear as fire and so it's really hard to control and we were watching this in action we could see the glow as as it was progressing and I, at that time my brother-in-law he still wasn't with the company, but he had worked with for them a short time before, which was a company called Conair, and I know it's a hilarious name, but they were um, uh, uh, they they ran the um, the uh, what do they call them now? They ran the planes that you know that dump the water on the fires. Yes, they have a, they have a better name than that. There's a more technological na- technological uh, dump, name for dump, them. dumpers. Yeah, big dump- dumper planes and. Dump- and dumper stumpers. It's water, water, water planes. That doesn't matter. So, so, so one of his friends came over to visit the campsite because he was he was at the at the um you know they have like a takeoff the place for the planes to land and take off and get and do the maintenance and stuff. And this guy was a maintenance worker, and so he was looking after the planes as they were doing the so rounds. Water bombers, they're called. Water bombers. Thank you. Yeah. And so and so um uh. So yeah, so he came in and we were talking and, and we said, well, how's it going? Like, what's it looking like over there? And he said, oh yeah, we're just doing it for show now. And we're like, really? He goes, yeah, nothing, there's nothing we can do about it. But if we stop, because if they stop doing it, then people would get mad. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, well, you didn't, you guys stopped, you know, using the water bombers. That's why the fire spread. You know, the fact is that it was already like beyond the scope of any ability of, of the firefighters to stop it. But they had to keep doing it anyway just to make it put on a show. So I, yeah. I thought, oh, that's terrible. Because that was the one that like burned down like part of the Kettle Valley Railway and burned down the homes in Kelowna. And it was terrible. But anyway, so Lisa and I went up for uh, just for the weekend. It's, Lisa has this kind of thing where she she just like she has like a sudden thing. She'd be like, let's go to Fintree. And I, I don't know, know where what, that is. Where is that? I, I don't know where it is either. But my response is, OK, let's go. And then she and then she'll say. Um, but I'm teaching tomorrow. Okay, so we'll go around noon up to Kelowna because it's around a four, four to five hour drive. Oh no, I'm teaching till two fifteen. You're teaching till two fifteen. Well, we're not going to get there till like eight, seven or eight o'clock. Like we're not going to leave here till th- till like we'll leave here at three at the at the earliest. If you're finishing at two fifteen, oh no, we'll leave it. Or no, no, we won't, dear. But anyway, so it was this kind of weird abbreviated thing. But that's how she likes it. She likes it. 
She likes it spontaneous, so uh, that's fine with me. So we drove up to Kelowna. We stayed in a bed and breakfast there. It was a pretty nice place. They had they're very careful with the the you know unlike old bed and breakfasts where you eat in a room together with other other guests. They had it all separated into different rooms for the for the breakfast. Mm-hmm. So they kind of made it work anyway. And uh, and but Fintree is a really interesting place because okay, so this guy this guy he was a Scottish laird. His name was James Dunwaters. He was the the youngest son of a Scottish lord. And he wasn't expected to come into any money. And he had come to Canada when he was younger, and he really fell in love with the Okanagan. And so his plan was to settle here. But then he came into this money. I guess his older brother died or something happened. But he came into, unexpectedly came into money. And so he took that money and he bought this big property in the Okanagan, right in, right on the west bank of Kelowna. It was a delta, so it was a very, you know, obviously very fertile area. And he started an orchard there. And he... It was a you know a big apple orchard, but he did did some amazing things. Like he um, he dammed the this this waterfall above the property, and he created a he he put pipes that ran down from this waterfall, and they they uh, part of the part of the water operated a, a turbine like operated a ge- you know generated electricity, mm-hmm. so they were the only farm in all of the Okanagan that had electricity at that time, and then he also had. Um, you know, the pipes also took water to the fields. And when they got to the fields, they had 150 PSI. So they could almost be like sprinklers when they came, when they got there. So that was just, it was really amazing. And then he also built, he built a, a cattle barn and he built an octagonal barn. So the the barn is still there. So it's an it's a octagonal barn. And the reason that, he, that people would do that, well, they do that in the prairies because an octagonal barn is sturdier. It's less, it's more wind resistance because there's less sides to it. But there's more sides, but less big sides. You know what I mean? Like there's right. not a big broad side of a barn to it. So it's hard to hit with a ball. That's what I'm saying. The octagonal okay. ones. And then also they're really efficient because you can, you put the silo in the center of the barn and the cattle ranges around it. And so it's easy to feed because your grain is right there in the middle of the barn. And so it's easy to feed the cattle from, from the silo. You're not having to bring it from outside into the barn. It's already there. And then they had this, uh, a rail set up along the, the, hanging from the roof and they had a they had a like a, a basket a bucket kind of like a trough on 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 wires that ran from this track and that was for the manure and so you'd put the manure into it and then you'd move it around the the circle of the of the octagon and then it would change track and then it would go outside where it would be easily dumped into their into their manure pit and then the manure pit of course was then used to thread in the fields and yeah so it's quite the, quite an amazing place and then there's uh, on the waterfront, because we went and uh, we went to the just we went and looked at it the night before, even though we knew that things weren't open, but we just went and looked at it, and we went down to the beach, and then there was like a big uh, packing house there, and so the packing house was where they you know collected the apples and put them into boxes, and then they would load them onto paddle wheelers because in those days on Lake Okanagan, which is a huge lake, it's hard to imagine, it's hard to describe how big it is to people, but it stretches. Through most of that region, the Okanagan region, it's called that because of the lake, because the lake is, it stretches like through, I don't know, seven different cities around there. Okay. It's pretty amazingly big, big lake, right? Like it's got Penticton, uh, Summerland, Peachland, West Bank, Kelowna, Lake District, and Vernon are all, all on Lake Okanagan. So it's crazy how big it is. And then, uh, and then, and then, which is weird because Penticton is like a little narrow um, strip between Skaha Lake. So there's like these two lakes right beside each other that are really big. But anyway, so so yeah, so this paddle wheeler would collect these apples. And I think they said there would be 670 apples 
670 Apple boxes per car. Mm-hmm. And they would usually do like uh, uh, three cars a day or something like that during the height of the season. So that's a lot of apples that were leaving there. And they also produced milk, obviously, with their, with their dairy cattle. And yeah, so it was, it was really interesting. The, cool. And then you can, there were these stairs that took you up, like wooden stairs they built. They took you up to the former site of the dam. And it's all gone now. It's, it was interesting. I said to Lisa when we, during one of our many rest stops during our walk up these steps, um, I said, this is kind of an interesting lesson because it's both a, a, an example of, you know, of how innovative we can be, how progressive we can be, you know, like, like for someone like that, who's told, like, it's for this guy to come from, for, to this place and then people and say, I'm going to build a dam here and have, and irrigate my fields. And people are like, oh no, it's impossible. You can't do it. <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm going to do it. Well, you can try, but it's not going to work. He's like, no, I think I can do this. And he did it. He did it. Huh. So it's a tribute to that, but also it's one of those things of, you know, look upon my works, ye mighty, and despair, you know, it's all around lay, whatever it is, and bear, you know, because it's all gone now. You know, there's just a few things left of all the work that he did and all the things that he had, you know. His house is still there. The orchards are gone. The the irrigation system's gone. The barn's there. Some The barns are still standing. The packing house is still standing. Some of the places are burned down just because that's the nature of the Okanagan, as I said, but it's... Uh, yeah, it's really interesting. But those stairs, man, I'm telling you. Yeah, it was fun seeing uh, all your pictures of you dead. Oh, well, that the, it was, you know, I was joking when I did that because it was much easier going down. Going up is when I literally thought I was going to die because it was like, we were like so happy when people were coming down and we had to stop and like kind of press ourselves against the railing and wait for them to pass by. We were like, come on down. Well, these two old folks breathe heavily for a while. <sighs> oh, carry on. Here we go. Oh, man, it was... And I was joking with people, people I passed on the, coming down, I'd be like, yeah, there's more rocks up there, I kept saying to them. <laughs> but when I got to the bottom, uh, I feel I haven't seen the, I posted the picture in a couple of places. Um, as a joke, I said to Lisa, oh, take a picture of me. I'm, and I just kind of like lay down on the stairs in such a way it looked like I'd fallen down the stairs and had come to a rest at the bottom. Yeah. And, I, and Lisa took my, pic, took my picture. But what was funny is when I, I did it, and then she took some pictures and then she went, we were walking away from it. And she goes, oh, you know what? I should have taken pictures from farther back so people can see how big the stairs are. And I was like, yeah, that's what you should have done. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so then I had to go back and set myself back up again. And uh, she took a few more pictures. But then there was like a family there and they're like, oh, that's so great. She's like, you guys go do that. I don't know if they were willing to do it or not. We, we you left. told them, no, that's my <laughs> thing. That's well, what I, I do. I said, no, I said, well, if you're going to do it, do it quick before someone goes down the stairs. <laughs> so, yeah. But it was fun. It was a lot. Of, we had a lot of fun. No, it did look like it did look like a fun trip. Yeah, I like the uh, I liked you jumping into the water from uh, way up high. Oh yeah, that's on the way back because um, on the way up we went the boring Coquihalla way, but on the way back we went through we went back through Carameas through like through all the fruit stands and picked up a bunch of fruit, uh, peaches and nectarines and plums and apples. Oh, such good apples and uh, some other things up there. What else we we, uh, we enjoyed we enjoy some of those. You sh- you shared them with us. I so. did. We did. Much much appreciated. No problem. And then uh, and then on the way there was this place called Bromley Rock, which is it's like a weird part of this creek where it's like twenty feet deep and there's like a big thirty foot rock above it. And so you can, if you have like water shoes or or sandals, you can climb up the rock and then jump off the thirty foot one. I don't I didn't have that. I was in my bare feet. So I just went to the there's like a twenty foot option. So yeah. I climbed up to that one and I jumped in the water from there. But I gotta say, even doing that little climb up those rocks, my feet were burning after that. Like they were so sore. I don't have I don't have like be, like kid feet. 
you know, you know what I mean? Like when you, when you live in the summertime, when you're a kid, you get kid feet because you just run around in your bare feet all summer. And by the time the summer comes, you can run over glass and you're fine. You don't care. Oh, okay. I remember the girls and our nephews, like when they're kids, just tearing around the barnyard at, at Lisa's mom and dad's. And it was a gravel barnyard. Like it was all gravel. And they would just be running all over the place with their bare feet. And I'm, me, if I was wearing socks, I'd be going like, ooh, ah, ee, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ah, ooh. But no, they just like take off like, the, like as fast as they could. It was great. Great stuff. Neat. Anyway, that's my little story. Let's talk I, about. No, I, I enjoy I enjoyed your story. Oh, it was, well, it good. was good. It was good stuff. Um, all right, so we uh, we have some uh, letters. Uh, we have uh, we have four letters on the website. Do we have letters uh, via the email as well, Dave? Yes, we do. All right, then I'll read the uh, the web uh, ones, and you can read the other ones. So, uh, let me start with uh, Scott McGinnis, <laughs> who writes as all. Oh, we should say what our questions of the week uh, last time were. Yes. Uh, do, you, do you have any allergies? Do you require an EpiPen? And what's a favorite bumper sticker you may have seen? So uh, Scott McGinnis said, uh, hi, stinky dudes from far too sunny London. Uh, oh. I hope you're both well. Sorry, I'm not doing this in a British accent. Uh, I hope <laughs> you're both well. Loved your latest episode. I really enjoy Ian reading a list of films, songs, TV programs, or whatever that you're going to enjoy this week's show. Uh, and David either guessing them or judging them. <laughs> Uh, it should be dull as ditch water, uh, one man guessing uh, what films are on another man's list, but somehow you guys make it really entertaining. Uh, Dave's wasp adventure and Ian talking about how your allergies change every seven years or so really struck a note with me. When I was a wee kid, I was allergic to orange juice. Not fresh orange juice, I was fine with that. I mean fizzy orange, like uh, Fanta or Tango. In Glasgow, we uh, call any fizzy non-alcoholic drink ginger. Here in England, they call it pop. Uh, I guess you guys call it soda. I think, yeah, we call it soda. No, we call it pop. Do we call it pop? I yeah. call it soda, I think. Um, what? You, we... call it, you call it a Coca soda? Uh, could I get a, can I get a soda? Can I get a pop? I wouldn't say pop. Yeah, I would say a soda. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That, that's, well, that's funny. That's more American. Let me, let me ask my wife. Hun, do you say soda or pop? Uh, neither. I usually say Coke or like yeah. a thing of soda. Yes, uh, she's going for soda. Might as well go for soda. Okay. Um, <laughs> To, to be fair, pop is a Canadianism. Well, I'm also from I'm from the east originally, so oh, maybe okay. that will make the difference. Uh, okay. Uh, to be fair, it wasn't the most life threatening or uh, debilitating allergy. All that happened was that my armpits got incredibly itchy. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> after a glass, I'd be scratching my armpits for hours. So I stopped drinking fizzy orange for years. And a few years ago, in the summer, I got a real hankering for an ice cold Fanta. So <laughs> I risked my itchy pits and bought one. Beautiful. And uh, more importantly, no itchy armpits. My allergy had disappeared sometime in the last 40 years. To make up for it, however, I started to suffer with terrible hay fever about 10 years ago. So win some, lose some. Anyway, I'm off to grab an ice cold Coors Light, which I think is from your neck of the woods. You bite your tongue, mister. And try and stay <laughs> out of this uh, horrible 34 degree heat. Uh, stay safe and stay sneaky. All the best, Scott. Yeah, we've been getting uh, we've getting a little bit of heat up here. Uh, I've been going to the pool and uh, just walking around in bare feet is ridiculous. Like just walking to the pool from the towel is just. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, you don't have yeah. kid feet. I don't have kid feet. No, I remember as a kid though, uh, my feet were pretty burning when I was like walking. Like we we'd make the mistake sometimes of like, oh, we're just getting out of the car. Oh, the beach. 
I can't wait. I'm just going to walk you know, across the nice asphalt in my feet and uh, yeah, just all uh, on fire. But you, you had uh, more solid feet as a young man? I, I went everywhere with bare feet. Mm. A real Huckleberry Finn. Well, it's just, you know, when you're a kid, it's just so much easier to run out of the house with your bare feet, with your bare feet on rather than having to put socks and shoes on. Yeah, this was really a problem that I had only when we went to visit America. I don't know what the deal was with American asphalt, but uh, much hotter <laughs> it felt like. Because uh, they, yeah, I don't know what it is. I was going to come up with a theory, but I forget it. It's a weird, sure. it's a weird theory. Well, but I feel like they use more concrete. I feel like they use more concrete than there asphalt. There we go. Okay. This is, this is interesting. Okay. Like, have, you ever driven, have you ever driven along, along the I-5 and older parts of it? And Probably, it's like, but I don't know. Like, right, you just finish your thought. Well, if you drive from, say, say you go past Olympia, Washington, going towards Portland, and you go past Olympia, Washington, like in the old, I think it's changed now, but in the old days, when we used to drive down to Portland a bunch, it would, once you got past Olympia, you got into the older part of the, of the I-5. And instead of it being like all asphalt, it was like these weird concrete bl- blocks that had been like laid end to end, like these building blocks or something like that. And then... And then they would be, of course, all frost heaved in various configurations. And so you'd be driving along and it sounded like you're driving over train tracks the whole darn time you're driving. It's the noisiest road in the world. So I feel like they had like a different idea of what, you know, what you should do for, for road surfaces in the, in the old days. Hmm. Yeah, I'd like to ask our listeners about that. Have you found any difference between driving in the old you know, roads of uh, America and uh, the roads of Canada? Is there a difference? Let us know. Uh, Louise writes us, uh, and it's not a week, a real week unless Louise writes us. Um, <laughs> I, I like the bumper sticker that had the little added little feet to the uh, ichthys. Is that how you pronounce it? Sure. Okay. Uh, AKA the Christian sign of the fish. But I don't like the variation that puts the word Darwin into the middle of it. If you ask me, people who feel a need to explain a joke don't have an evolved sense of humor. Uh, it always reminds me when I see the little feet of the um, Partridge family opening. Their little uh, little feet with the eggs. Um, I would, could, I'll just say one thing about, about that is I feel like the little feet on the on the ichthys is subversive. Whereas I feel like the, the Darwin in it is kind of, it feels like someone's sort of bellowing at you. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like one is kind so of like a feel- sly joke. And the other one is just someone like yelling at you. You both feel similarly at different volumes, feels like. <laughs> uh, actually, as a secret sign, the fish has a lot going for it. It mm-hmm. was easily easy to draw, and the Greek word ichthys it was also an acronym for a phrase that meant Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bet the Roman soldiers would see a fish on a wall and say, hey, someone uh, drew uh, a Pisces. That's uh, <laughs> totally not an acronym for anything. Yeah. And like, why would you even bring that up? I was like, I don't know. Oh, no, look over there. It's Asterix. Ah, uh, we're going to get our asses kicked. <laughs> and then, bam, boom, pow, poof, paf. Yeah, paf is the word you use. Yeah, she didn't. Uh, and then you fly out of your sandals. Um, <laughs> thank you, Louise. Uh, Todd writes, favorite bumper sticker. Don't believe everything you think. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I always like that. Uh, the thing about uh, uh, some joke from uh, Emo Phillips which was talking about how the brain is the most uh, amazing organ in the body. But look at what's telling you that. <laughs> there you go. That's true. Ed- Edward uh, Dragansky writes, uh, who is the last again? Oh, oh, Indiana, you made it under the door again. <laughs> well done. Da-da-da-da. Here he comes. 
Edward Dransky's got a letter for us. He made it last of all. Telling some bottles and stories, and here we go. Okay. Uh, oh, God, I hope I get this in on time. You know you did. Uh, I have a mild allergy to potassium and foods rich in potassium. Bananas, mm. wow. avocados, and some melons call me to itch deep inside my ear. It's uh, the same kind of effect that used to uh, affect, aff affect Felix Unger on The Odd Couple when he got that deep itch in his head. It's not lethal, nor does it require any medical attention. It is just annoying. My bumper sticker story is from Lone Star Comics. The owner, Buddy, was a very straight-laced owner uh, who was always trying to think of how to improve sales using non-comic items. Some vendor uh, sold him on a box of bumper stickers that sat next to the cast register as an impulse item. After Buddy left for the day, my manager and I started going through these bumper stickers, and we found some R-rated ones mixed in. <laughs> The ones I remember the most said, mustache rides, five cents, and smell my finger, Lassie. Um, <laughs> the fun part was breaking the news to Buddy to see if he even got the jokes. He did, and they went right in the trash. Uh, forgive me for being late congratulating you on the release of Double Dog Dare. I plan to grab mine when I visit my local comic shop, Madness Comics. They're rumored to be the fourth largest comic shop in the nation, so I'm pretty sure they'll have it. Very exciting. Enjoy your success. Thanks so much, Edward. Thank you. And uh, this uh, gives me a very uh, easy segue to actually bring this up and say, yeah, we do have a book out. Uh, Dave colored it. I wrote it. And our friend Nina Matsumoto, the third dragon, drew it. Uh, it is the second book in the Sparks series of books uh, published by Graphics, which is an extension of Scholastic. And it's called Sparks Double Dog Dare. And uh, a very nice thing uh, we found out this week is that it's the number two Canadian kids book. Yeah, that's very exciting. Um, yeah, we were joking uh, last week, just going like, oh, because there's a, um, I don't know if, uh, if you're familiar with Robert Munch, but he's a very popular Canadian uh, children's author, and he's got uh, two books that have always been uh, ahead of us on the <laughs> list. Like, first of all, there's a, there's a book called uh, The Marrow Thieves, which is just a lock for number one. That's just a really great book. That's got to be number one. There's nothing you can do about it. That's fine. Great. Good for them. All the success <laughs> in the world. But then we get to Robert Munch. And he's got two books. One is called uh, Love You Forever, I believe. Yeah. The other one is A Paper Bag Princess. Can we, and, can we also point out these books were published in the 70s? Right. These and books Dave, came out in the 1970s. They're so long. There's, they've been out so long. Dave did a parody of The Paper Bag Princess in a previous show yeah. that is unrelated to anything to do with any of this. So, yeah. And it's a, it's a very funny uh, image. So uh, we're like, well, yeah, we just got to take down Munch. We were joking about it. And then uh, this week, somehow... Uh, we were ahead of the two Munch books, which is ridiculous in Canada. Yes. Like we might get kicked out of Canada. This it's is possible. dangerous that yeah. we that we did this. This is like accidentally, you know, uh, hurting uh, Margaret Atwood. You know, like uh, yeah. hitting her with your shopping cart. You're just gonna be like, okay, you're out of the country. <laughs> you're done. I'm gonna have to return my odor of Canada. <laughs> exactly. Um, but if you uh, are interested in the uh, in the book, it's in uh, it's in all your bookstores. Mm. It took a little longer. Then uh, was supposed to to get out in bookstores, but it's out in bookstores now. You can also get it your uh, comic stores. It's coming out in October if you order through Diamond. So better to go to bookstores. Uh, and we were doing a thing where because uh, we can't do signings because of the COVID. Uh, so for safety, what uh, Nina came up with was uh, book plates. So we have uh, which are little stickers you put inside your book, and so we've signed these uh, stickers. 
And if you're interested in one, if you've got a book and you want to have a sticker in there with our autographs in it, and it says, uh, you know, uh, this book belongs to, and you can write your own name, uh, we will send one to you. And, and you just got to uh, email us at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. If you email us, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com, we will uh, give us your address. address. Yes, let us know your address. We can't figure that out psychically. <laughs> uh, we will send uh, uh, those off to you. We've sent off uh, quite a few so far, and we appreciate that. And we always get like a, a people saying very nice things about the book too. So thank you for that. Uh, but yeah, if you're if you're interested in that, we will send you a, um, a, a sticker that is the book plate, and you can put that in your book. So anyway, that's my plug for our book. Dave, what about our email emails that actually got sent to sneakyd at sneakydragon.com? Well, you want me to read all the ones that are asking for book plates? No. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so we got a question from a listener to, of the show. This is from Craig Tebow. I'm going to say Tebow, like the uh, football player. Okay. His question is, he says, I had a question for you two, and I would really enjoy hearing your opinions. Okay. Recently, I have been reliving my childhood Saturday morning cartoon watching days, and I got a DVD with one of my favorites. The original Johnny Quest cartoon series, Hanna-Barbera, Hanna circa 1964. Anyway, I mostly am watching these and have a great time when my wife made some unsolicited observations about the character Race Bannon, who is the secret agent assigned to tutor and watch over Johnny Quest. She claims that the character is drawn in a way that is, quote-unquote, suggestive, i.e. homoerotic. I just think he is drawn and portrayed as a classic hero archetype, typical of the era. When I make my argument, she just winks at me and says, are you sure? As if I'm missing something obvious. It is not that I care one way or another, but I wanted another professional opinion. Please settle this dispute before it goes any further, as we both would consider you to be the final word on such matters. Also, if you haven't seen it, there is a good documentary online about the Johnny Quest season, or maybe he meant series. Hope you are well. Also, thanks for the podcast. We listen to them on long drives when we are driving to the coast. And although you guys never act like they are that big of a deal, we really have enjoyed them. Well, thank you. Thank you, Craig. Oh, that's very, very nice. Yes. Um, okay. So, are Race and Dr. Quest a couple? Is that it? Or is it just that Race is a... Is a uh, I don't a think gear. there's any suggestions that there is a relationship between, between the uh, two male characters. Okay, that's been that's been a thing though. That's you know, again, again, like people, uh, Doctor Wortham and Seduction of the Innocent said this about Batman and Robin, which is uh, uh, awful because uh, Robin is a child. Robin is a child, so it's not that uh, if, even if that was a relationship, it wouldn't be that it was a homosexual relationship. It, you know, uh, Batman would be uh, pederast. So it's like, no, that's let's get rid of that. That's out of there. But these are two. <laughs> Uh, the, this, this idea, uh, has been floated a lot. Uh, and it's one of those, I think, situations where like, if you were a gay gentleman, uh, or a, a boy who was like going, had feelings and yes. went, uh, what, what, oh, what can I connect to? What can I relate to? Uh, their relationship, uh, can be taken as one or not as one. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> Do it either either way. Yeah. Uh, I, I, when when uh, you're saying that his wife was spotting something about race, I was looking at him and uh, and looking at his uh, clothes and looking at things. I guess I could see a little Tom of Finland. Like he wouldn't he wouldn't uh, not fit in with that world. But uh, I'm you know, looking at his haircut. 
I'm looking at the cut of his jib. Um, <laughs> well, you're not really supposed to be looking at a man's jib, but okay. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Uh, I, I feel comfortable doing that. Okay. Uh, okay. Like he's got a okay. He's got a, a suit that's got a flap on it, much like the original Captain Marvel that we've been talking about. Yeah. Uh, but is, uh, it, is a okay. flap something? <laughs> well, I believe those characters were designed by Alex Toth. Yeah. Yes. Who. I mean, I'm just gonna put that put it out there. I don't think he was the kind of guy who was interested in that sort of uh, subliminal messaging. You know, like I do. I, I agree with Craig that they are that race is a heroic archetype. You know, he's a lantern jawed or square jawed. You know, hero type, muscular. And I mean, I you know, and maybe those are elements because of you know it came you know how long it's been around. And then children watched it, and I think you're right. I think uh, young boys who, you know, who are homosexual who w- saw that obviously would have had some feelings for for race, the same way that boys like me would have feelings for, say, Daphne and and Scooby Doo. Um, I and think, they never, and, they, and they never dated women. I don't think race or or uh, Doctor Quest. Well, no, because that would be icky for boys. Like it's a okay. it's a boys' adventure show, and you don't want to make it icky. You know? Okay. And to boys, girls are covered in cooties, and you, you don't want two gentlemen consorting with cootie-covered women. Blah. Okay. You know, so you know, it's kind of like in Tintin as well. There's like, there's no hint of any sort of of romantic element in, in what they did because it's just assumed that boys are not interested in that. I don't. I'm not saying that's true or not. I'm just saying in terms of like the thinking, you know, boys aren't interested in in rom- romance. And I do get, I do get uh, cocked eyebrows when I tell people how much I enjoy romantic comedies. You know, as a guy, that is apparently something that guys shouldn't do or is not common and deserves an, a raised eyebrow. I don't know. I think they're great, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm not bitter. Um, but I, you know, like I think there's two separate things. I think there's intent, and I think there's you know what people want to read into it you know and i think it's i think if he is like a homosexual icon or something that young children like young boys found themselves attracted to and it kind of gave them something to you know whatever you know what i mean that's great i just don't think that was intended you know i don't think velma is intended as like a lesbian icon either but you could read her that way i suppose as she doesn't seem to be interested in fred and she's not given an opportunity, of course, because once again, there's no actual romance in Scooby-Doo because, as we've established, romance is icky. But it is strange that Fred and uh, Daphne always go off by themselves. Yeah, I'm looking now and like, was there ever anything like this? Here's the thing. Okay. Uh, there was, uh, there was, okay. This is not in, uh, this is not canon. Of course uh, not. It's just people but... having fun with it. Yeah, no, 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 no. But uh, <laughs> it's a little bit different because. Oh, okay. Uh, when they did the Harvey Birdman show. Um, race uh, sued uh, Dr. Quest for custody of Johnny <laughs> okay. and Hadji and Hadji. Yeah. Uh, wanting to be more than a second father to them. And so they played in that one that that they were an improvised family uh, and that there was some stuff going on there. Okay. Right. So, uh, but once again, that's not canon. That's just some people having fun with, uh, yeah. with the concept. It, it ends with... Uh, Harvey Benton and the boys at a bar called the Bird Cage, uh, where the, apparently they, they used to hang out. Sure. So you know there you are. That was a they, uh, yeah okay yeah but, and yep there's okay so they 
In later things, the 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 character was played a little bit along those lines. But I wonder with the flap on the outfit, if, if that's where she's coming from. But the character like, was character wasn't it wasn't it wasn't like an official appearance by those characters. Those characters were used in a par- a parody show. That's owned by Har- you know, that's owned not, by Hanna Barbera. But yeah, that's but you're not going to like take how they treated the Jetsons in that show as canon either. I mean, they're just having fun with the. That's right. With Our, the tropes uh, Fred of, Flintstone isn't a monster. That's true. Yeah. They're just having fun with the tropes of those of those yeah. shows, right? It's just, but it's, they but to the point like I'm not gonna say knew, someone made fun of that, oh therefore it's real. Like that's but just they knew, weird. They knew the tropes yeah. enough that yeah, yeah. it made sense to to play with them in this environment. It wasn't sure. coming out of the end of it. Okay. Sure. Well in so, our um, in our in our more kind of you know, we're more much more prone to read that sort of thing into into pop culture than than people would have been in the past because you couldn't you couldn't have it in the show even if they were i don't talk about the show i'm just saying even people watching it like like frederick wortham talking about batman and robin in that way is kind of forward in in its approach to no maybe not there's probably like a freudian way of analyzing uh literature that looks in looks for homoerotic or or sub you know sublimated homosexuality and things I don't know. I think with Wortham, it felt like, you know, he had a conclusion and he was trying to uh, just alter things to build to it. Yes. Welcome to Be- sociology. Yeah. It's like uh, when when I look at old, I read a lot of old Batman comics. I read most of the Batman comics. Um, I don't get that. I don't get that there's uh, a romantic thing between them. Maybe, it, you know, the, the most would be in like the Adam West show. But the, even that, no. You know, it's just not a thing. And in the old comics, again, uh, Robin is uh, is a, it's a child. He like Robin starts off like as like is eight when he becomes Robin, which is horrific in another way. You shouldn't yeah, be throwing yeah. the eight year old at the Joker. Uh, that's how you end up with more than one dead Robin Batman. Uh, straighten up on that business, but no, I don't think it was ever anything uh, hinted at at all and romantic. Well, I think with uh, Robin at a time when comics were written were read. By by adults as well as kids, Robin was seen as a as a way for kids to connect to the into the Batman stories. So mm-hmm. he was he was your Dick Grayson was your stand-in, which always was a mistake because kids want to be Batman, they don't want to be Robin. Yeah, yeah, they I want agree. to be Superman. They don't go, oh, I wish I was Jimmy Olsen <laughs> and that I could call Superman when I got problems. It's like, no, what do you what do you prefer? Flying or having your own camera? Hmm. Well, Cam- what's Superman? Nice. Does he have a, yeah, does Superman have a camera? He's got X-ray vision and can see through anything and see anything in the world. Yeah. Uh-huh. But a camera, you say. Mm-hmm. Pretty you, cool. You do have to come down on this on this on this thing though. You're you're really you're really waffling. Well, what what do I have to come down on? Do I have to say that it's a that yeah. it's a it's a gay thing? Um, you don't. Uh, I don't think you have to say it's a gay thing. You have to say, is it or is it not? Is it is it our past? Is it the future reading into the past and making its own kind of own kind of um, subtext and its own its own uh, narrative? I think you know, there was I because think... now we're much smart. We're smarty pants nowadays, and we like to we like to have fun with things in a in a, in a you know kind of subversive way. I gotta say, I n- I never saw it, but uh, I can see if the Harvey Birdman show. Which is the heart, you know. Which again, <laughs> Hanna Barbera has to approve it. Yeah, you know. Uh, I I don't th- I don't think it was intended by by the by the people who made the show by the person who designed the characters. Uh, I don't I don't think it was intentional. And I'm not, but but I'm not saying that it's wrong to look at it that way. I'm just saying I don't think that it was the intent of the people 
doing the show to create a, a homoerotic character. What I would like to ask is, because it, it feels like there's an element of it that she's saying, come on, look at, and I feel like it's the haircut. It's the, it's the, <laughs> it, I, the only thing that's weird about it. He's got a Steve outfit, McQueen haircut. Yeah. Or a James Coburn haircut, right? Like he's, it's uh, like or, a, fifth, or, it's, or, it's or a 60s. A, a Mike Pence haircut. It's a sixties. Um, it's a sixties hero haircut. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you got that. But like the a man's man haircut. Oh, there you go. Uh, well, asked and answered. Um, <laughs> the the flap. Is it the flap that she's talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. Is it? Does he have a vestigial okay, flap? Is it something? Original, okay, let me explain it to you. What he takes off his know... clothes. Is this when you see the flap? That's my no. real question. Do you know the original Captain Marvel outfit? Do you know what I'm talking about? Where he's got a flap on his chest. That uh, that is there that 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 buttons up. Do you know what I'm talking about with that? Oh, or like no? a like a tunic, like a like a like an old fashioned like a shirt, like a, like yeah. Yeah, it's got a it's got a a full flap that's like a. Well, it's you, a military you, shirt. Sure, military shirt. That's what he's wearing. That's yeah, that's yeah. the race Bannon outfit. Is this is this shirt? Yeah, that's, that's a, a that's a shirt the monkeys wore too. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying it wasn't like an uncommon. I got you. Thing. But is it is that what the sim because the, that's the only thing on his outfit that I can see he's not wearing like he's not Fred and Scooby Doo where he's got you know the kerchief it's like what what's the thing that she's seeing on him physically yeah that's going ah he's wearing this thing that ah that says this and that's the only thing I could think would be the flap because um, yeah the haircuts the haircut uh, pants are the pants the shoes are the shoes everything else is uh, you know. Uh, standard issue but the flap is a weird thing so is it the flap i don't Matt, please ask your wife if it's the, if it's the flap to be fair to be saying. honest i don't think the flap is that weird okay it is what a, if you it, wore a flap it is a t- it is a style of cut for a for a shirt when have you worn one i have i wore one in the in the 80s when the, in the days of uh elaborate shirts all right i had one that uh was like that and I'm, well, I I'm embarrassed to say it. Next week, and next I think week, I think Prince wore one. wore one like that. He had a he had shirts cut in that way. Okay, well, uh, Prince never wore anything that could be considered asexual or uh, in any way. No, uh, I'm just saying it's sense. not it's not an uncommon style of shirt. But and like I say, okay. the, the monkeys in their official shirts had the uh, had the uh, the shirt that 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 you know kind of went over top of the instead of being like a straight up and down collar, it it uh, went it crossed over. I think it's like a cow, it's like a it's like a western shirt, right? Like a, the cowboys wore. All right. Yeah, it is a cowboy thing for sure. Is that a thing? It's a cowboy thing. Anyway, okay. <laughs> let's let's read ask, way back into the past. Ask your wife if that's what it is. So if if ask her. if your wife starts sniggering at when you're watching a western, then I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Anyway, I I'm gonna come down on the. I don't think it's homoerotic. I don't think it's wrong to to read it that way, but I don't think it was intended. Okay. There you go. That's the opinions. Just like I, I don't know, I don't think it's wrong. If I wanted to, and I wanted to write a fanfic where where Frank Hardy uh, has has some fun with Biff, his good his chum, his chum Biff. <laughs> I I don't think that's wrong. I don't think that's intended in the stories. I don't think there's anything that sounds gayer than Frank Hardy <laughs> and his chum Biff. Like there, fast and answered. You don't even have to. But you don't know what they were doing. It doesn't matter. Were you saying that was Frank Hardy? Yeah, at his chum Biff. <laughs> That's what yeah, they called what each they other. Doing? They called each other chums because yeah, the books were written in the 1930s. Sure, sure, sure. So get over your pre- you can get over your prejudices. Hardy and Biff. Get over your prejudices. Chums. Sure. Okay. You got any more letters? I do. 
I do. Uh, this is uh, I'm gonna explain that this is a uh, this is from Jonathan Bampton, and he is writing us to tell us his favorite bumper sticker. But I'm going to reverse his letter. Uh oh. Because I want to tell you the reference before I tell you the bumper sticker. So J- Jonathan lives in a little country I like to call Australia. Okay. It's the name I gave it myself. It's kind of a nickname, Australia, by which I mean Australia. You know what I like calling it for short? What's that? Wonderland. Wonderland. Okay. Nice. Some people say Oz, and I'm just like, mm, Wonderland. <laughs> good, good for you. Yeah. So now he says in Australia there is a, a newspaper and empire empire, and he says it's Australia's most dangerous export, Rupert Murdoch, mm. News Corp, News Corporation et al. I guess they had uh, the um, name of the News Corp is News Limited in Australia. Right. It's run by the billionaire tyrant. So uh, Rupert Murdoch, okay. So he says, my favorite ever bumper sticker was, is that the truth or was your news limited? Which I found uh, while holidaying uh, in Darwin in 2012. I know this because I took a photo, he says, and he, he provided a photo of a bumper sticker on, a, on the back of a car that says, is that the truth or was your news limited? And news limited is capitalized. The, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I like it. So there you go. That's that's good. I like it. Let me ask you a question, Dave. Who do you think would win in a fight? Mm. Rupert Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. Or Rupert the Bear. Rupert the Bear. My I agree. He's a bear. He's got bear strength. He's got bear strength and Rupert Murdoch is old and evil. So his evil would help him fight Rupert the Bear. He'd fight dirty. He would be dirty. He would be a dirty fighter for sure. Yeah, he'd fight him in uh in ways that were barely legal. <sighs> oh, nice. All right. This is uh Louise isn't satisfied with this writing a comment on the website. What? No, she's, she's she double dips. She double dips. She she does comment on sneaky D at sneakydragon.com. dot com. All right. And she also or she say emails that, and then also she comments on the website sneakydragon.com. dot com. So uh, Louise writes. She says, "Hi guys, FYI, here are the bumper sticker designs I mentioned in the comments for this week's podcast, which you are no doubt familiar with." Plus my editorial assessment as to their usefulness as a secret symbol. I will put these images on the website, everyone. BT dubs. My mom got stung on the arm and thumb by a wasp two nights ago. She too killed the wasp in an instinctive and vengeful act. This morning, her arm is really swollen and the redness has spread to an area about six inches wide. I looked up her symptoms and she appears to have a, quote, large local reaction known as an LLR, which usually peaks 48 hours after the sting. I'll say that's true. And goes away after five to 10 days. I'm, I'm over it now, but it took a while. I was still itchy last week. The search also popped up a study about the risk of developing anaphylaxis, systemic reaction, to stings after having an LLR. It starts out, in the few studies available, the risk of developing systemic reactions to Hymenoptera stings in patients with previous large local reactions to uh, stings ranges from 0 to 7% and concludes with, these findings may be useful in practical management of patients sensitized to Hymenoptera venom, especially concerning the prescription of epinephrine auto-injectors. Actually, patients patients with with at least two LLRs to stings are unlikely to need an auto-injector because there is no apparent risk of SR, while in patients evaluated after a single LLR, the risk of SR cannot be ruled out, and the availability of epinephrine for auto-injection is worthwhile. So basically, Dave, 
just get yourself stung again, and if you survive that, you probably don't need to carry around an EpiPen. Helpfully yours, Louise. Thank you very much, Louise. And I'm looking at your, I'm looking at your images, and I agree with you. And I will post these on the the website so that people can be further educated by Louise. So thank you for that. All right, let me just uh, head on up, up we go, up, up past all these people who have written to request book plates. You can erase those if you like. I've, so, I've sent them off to everybody, so it's so okay. Many. That's okay. I don't like to erase them. Ah, okay. But we have a letter. From Tom Paxton. Oh, lovely. Okay. Tom says, Hi, Ian, David, and Nina. Oh. He starts off by saying, I'd love a signed book plate, please. I've been listening to the show for a few years now. Always enjoy the weekly ramble around anything and everything. Great company on my daily walks. I should have sent you this tale a couple of weeks back when you were doing pizza stories, but I can clearly remember my first taste of pizza, so better, let it, better late than never. As a kid in the 70s, my mum would often talk of an old friend of hers that had moved to the U.S. some years before. They used to write and send cards, and eventually one summer her old friend, husband, and four boys came to visit us for a couple of weeks. This was a big event and great fun, and with four kids in her family too, the place was crowded and mealtime was chaos. One day towards the end of their visit, her friend said, why didn't she do something special for dinner, and asked if we'd ever had pizza. Well, that was unheard of to a family in a Scottish fishing town that had to watch every penny, so of course we wanted to try it. The friend duly bought the ingredients from the local grocer, on my mum's account, and made enough pizza for the twelve of us. And of course, it was amazing. We'd never had anything like it, and it appeared to be covered in all kinds of exotic things we'd never seen before, but were probably just peppers and salami. <laughs> Our visitors left a few days later, and things went back to normal, until... A couple of weeks later, my mum asked what we fancied for tea, Scott's term for dinner, one day. We unanimously asked for pizza again and said how much we'd loved it. However, with no longer needing to keep up pretenses in front of our American visitors, my mum shut down a request. Do you have any idea how much that pizza cost? She exclaimed. In fact, that single trip to the grocer to collect all the fancy ingredients in enough quantity to feed 12 had cost about 150% of the whole weekly food budget and had taken some careful juggling to recover from it in the following weeks. A far cry from today when my son will cheerfully stick a £1.49 pre-made pizza in the oven as a casual snack. Anyway, please keep up the good work. It's a thorough thoroughly enjoyable slice of my week best regards wow. tom paxton 150 percent of the food budget i know it's... i'm trying to think like what was on that pizza i just think that you know they were a family in a small town in scotland on the something like on the coast of scotland i don't think that i don't think money was a plentiful thing then you know so it was a oh, it was yeah, a thrifty yeah. life a thrifty yeah. life and you no know, uh, i get that it's th i guess it's thrifty. i'm just wondering like what was a normal dinner like mm. what what's normal for tea? Meat and veg, I guess. All right. Well that you put it on a pizza. Like it's, it's, <laughs> But you know, it's, but but it's not it's not gonna be like mozzarella, which would have been like an imported cheese, or salami, which would be an imported meat. You know what right, I mean? Like, those those are those are expensive. Like this is you know, they're having like mince, you know, they're having yeah. meat and potatoes, so accent on the potatoes. Yeah, the know. potatoes potatoes is a thing for sure. Yeah. But like were tomatoes really expensive back then? Probably. To bring up to Scotland? Like no one's growing up there. No one's growing tomatoes. No. Okay. Not gonna have hot. And I don't think you're gonna have hot houses in the in the seventies. I'm gonna assume this is seventies. I just don't well, think it would be far, that common. How far is uh, Scotland from? Okay, this is a dumb question. Uh, but how far is Scotland from uh, Italy? 
Well, it's not it's not super far in the sense that it's. That's what I'm saying is like geographically, Italy grows nothing but tomatoes. So like like yeah, it's just a different world in those days. We didn't. I guess have... it's a different world. I just was yeah. kind of curious about that. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like tomato. Yeah, tomatoes are tomatoes. What's the what's the expensive thing? Yes, mozzarella cheese. I'll mm-hmm. give you mozzarella cheese. Yeah. Uh, but like so, Scottish. You'd just be buying not... tomato sauce. I don't think you'd need tomatoes to make the the actual pizza. Well, I'm thinking like tomatoes would be cheaper than tomato sauce. It depends, you know, where you're at at that point. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, maybe maybe uh, Tom can write in again and give us uh, an example of. of yeah. Uh, what was the bank yeah. breaker on that? That yeah. uh, you know, uh, like it's hard. It's hard for us. It's obviously hard for us to, or, or for maybe for Ian to to put himself as a North American where we have much more things are much more available here. No, I'm just trying to think of comparable. Like, yeah. I figure I figure if you're Scottish and you're having tea, you've got sausages or something. Yeah, or if you don't have sausages, you've got, like you say, minced beef or something. If it's yeah. meat, yeah. almost any meat would work on sure. a pizza. So, like, what's the thing that's the bank breaker yeah. on that? Because the reason that you eat pizza in Italy isn't is because it's the cheapest thing, too. Right? Yeah. It's, like, super inexpensive. You got, uh, you got your... Uh, you got your flour and then you got some water and you mix it together and a little egg and there, there's your crust. And then like tomatoes, well, they're growing right there, put them on there, maybe a bit of cheese, but they don't use a lot of cheese. They don't North America up the cheese, very light, maybe then a couple of herbs. They don't pile on the, uh, the meat and they don't pile on like tons of like mushrooms and stuff. It's, you know, if it was that kind of pizza, yeah, I'm just kind of curious. I'm just kind of curious what, uh, what it was. I get, I get that it's a different uh, area of the world, a different culture, and I, I, I'm comparing it to British food because I know what my my grandparents and my father would eat, and I'm thinking that a lot of that stuff, with the exception of the cheese, would translate pretty well to a pizza. Wouldn't be a million miles away. Hmm. Yeah, you know, what, something this is something Mary and I were talking about a little while ago, which is that it's interesting in when you think of European cuisine, like if you think of Italy, obviously you think of like spaghetti, like tomato tomato sauce and and tomato sauce and pizza and you know and stuff like that or if you think of like ukrainian food or or eastern european food you think of like pierogies which are potato based yeah. you think of irish you think of potatoes you know mashed potatoes english food with mashed potatoes and stuff like that and what's interesting is both those food never existed in england until columbus brought them back would have brought them back after visiting the new world and it's, so it's so interesting like you kind of wonder like what was there major food before that? Like, what were people eating? Like, were they eating squash? Was that what was people eat before potatoes in Ireland? Were they, they're just like mad for mad for tubers? And I don't know what what they would have had in Italy. Like, I just it's just weird to me. Like, it's interesting, right? Like, there was no corn, there was no tomatoes, and there was no potatoes until they came over from the New World, and they made their way so successfully through Europe that like whole like whole cuisines are defined by these these new vegetables that didn't exist. It's it's so interesting to me. Uh, yeah, I'm looking I'm looking at like the, the uh, eating habits of ancient Scotland. Okay. Uh, so uh, as the ice age receded, the first hunter gatherers came to Scotland. Yeah. Uh, hunted deer, so they have a lot a lot of that. Sure. Meat and then is, indigenous plants. Yeah, indigenous plants and nuts and fruits. So it was basically that. They also uh, from the sea they would have scallops and uh, and and shellfish. Yeah. Uh, as things as things progressed, you're getting into the ninth century. They never shared uh, those. They never shared those. Yeah. Oh, because they were too uh, shellfish. <laughs> uh, I love it. Excellent. Well played. Uh, then, if you're if you're looking around, you know, 
uh, you know, the year uh, 1000 or so, yeah. uh, you're going to get, um, if you're having a good meal, yeah. you're getting uh, wild boar and venison. This sounds, like a, this sounds like a very wealthy person eating. Well, or someone who can hunt. Uh, and the vegetables that you would eat are uh, kale, cabbage, beans, turnips, and carrots. Mm. Uh, and you would flavor them with wild garlic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I know garlic was available. But, so uh, uh, medieval Scotland, let's see what we're doing here. Uh, they would eat like oat breads, porridge, stews, thick soups. Mm -hmm. That would be like a standard thing. Honey yeah. was used to sweeten food. Uh, sure. People kept cows for milk and chickens for eggs. Yeah. And again, we had kale, beans, peas, and onions were pretty common. And nuts, fruits, and berries uh, also uh, helped uh, supplement the diet of poor people. Mm. So yeah, if uh, especially if there's a poor harvest, uh, then you'd have like more nuts and, and dried dry things like that. Yeah. Uh, but then they could say uh, then it was like you know rabbit, grouse, any uh, birds that would fly by that were slow. <laughs> well, they, put up, they put up nets to catch the birds. And then yeah, and then which is true. Of course, you would have, you know, uh, haggis. Yeah. Well, you know, use use every, use it all. Don't. Yeah. And then uh, the potato showed up, and everything changed. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The potato showed up. Yeah. It's interesting. This I find that kind of interesting. It doesn't sound and like it doesn't sound terrible. But you know, it's interesting when you when you were telling me that when you were talking, I was thinking, uh, isn't that interesting? Like a, a time when there was a time when meat was the most convenient thing to to have, right? Like meat was always available. Veg vegetables and stuff like that, not always around you can't always there's not the trees aren't always fruiting and there's not always the ground isn't always uh you know um usable you know you can't always yeah. like in the winter time obviously especially if you're in northern scotland but there's always meat around so that's yeah, interesting and we yeah. differ now where meat is very expensive and vegetables are more more reasonable yeah because we don't we can't just go walk into the woods exactly and <laughs> exactly and you Population know honestly have you changed know, everything. i do have a variety of birds that are like you know a couple of blocks away if i was a jerk and uh, <laughs> you know if i wanted to just eat duck yeah and i was a yeah. sneaky cuss i could uh, have duck every day mm. probably sure sure but, you know there you go i've never had a heron i don't know how they are mm. but uh yeah, plenty of those around too those are a big bird. Feels like they did feed you for a while. Yeah, yeah. Huh. But instead, pizza. Cheap, <laughs> cheap pizza. What's cheaper than pizza? Nothing. All right. I have one. You keep talking. I have one more thing to find here. Okay. No, I would uh, hope you have fun. Uh, I was uh, I was about to say if you want to, uh, we're again one more quick plug for uh, Sparks. Uh, if you want to uh, read a little bit about Sparks, uh, Nina has uh, set up a page on her page. Uh, at sparkscomic.com. So go to sparkscomic.com. You can read some of the reviews of Sparks, the two books. And also, at the bottom of the page, uh, she's done up uh, some shirts uh, and some merch uh, cups and, and even a face mask uh, for this day and age. So, uh, you know, you can click on that. And uh, I wear my Sparks mask uh, most days. And do I get comments? Yes, I do. Until I go, ugh. And then I put on a different one and I face it the other way. I don't want people talking to me. But anyway, sparkscomic.com. Cool. Uh, this this is the last. This is a comment that was left on the website. That I just wanted oh, to uh, to say this. This is from Nettie Tebow, who I feel I'm not. I'm not. I didn't want to go too far on a limb here, but I feel is the person who has been suggesting that race Bannon has homoerotic overtones. Okay. Or undertones. I don't know which way. I don't know if it's an over or under. But uh, she said Mem memorable bumper sticker. Bong hits for Jesus. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so what was our what was our question of the week this week? Do you remember what it was? 
what a question of the week for this week is? Yeah, we, we said, oh, you know what? We should ask people that. That's a good, and you went, that's a good one. I like that question. Remember that when we said that? Yeah. Oh, I wrote then, it down. Oh, good, good, good. So the question There's, is, uh, um, what, uh, sorry, here, let me find it. I dropped it on the floor. Uh, okay. It, oh. And you've erased the show. You, the know, end. you know what? <laughs> you know what? This is tricky. I decided that I decided that I didn't need to write down much of the question in order to figure it out. Yeah. So I wrote down what movie, <laughs> but it's what movie would you recommend that maybe people don't know about? That's right. We well, want yeah. you to write, but we don't want you to just recommend it. We want you to write a capsule review of that film for us that you think will make people want to see that movie. Yeah, love it. Um, question have, two. Okay. Oh, I don't have it. I thought you were gonna say it. I was gonna say I've got one, but do you have one? Because I don't want to like hog all the questions. Um. Do I have one? No, mine would just be stupid. You you ask a question. Mine's stupid too. Anyway, you're welcome to put your stupid one on here as well. Uh, I was going to say, just because we were talking about Johnny Quest, and I love the theme song so much. Okay. I love the theme song much more than I love the show. What uh, what TV show do you think had the best theme song? Really great theme song. Maybe even much better than the show itself. I'd say Space 1999 is another example of like, oh man, this is going to be slow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but the actual theme song sounds so, whoa! And then, okay. I like it. I'm just writing it down. All right. What's your uh, what's your dumb one that was dumb? It's okay to be dumb. No, no, I'm not going to go there. I was going to say, okay, here's my dumb one. I was going to say, who is your favorite out of all of Shazam's, uh, you know, namesakes? Okay, now are we including the female ones as sure, well? Sure, sure. Okay, all right. Sounds sounds good then. As long as we're being equal with that, then I feel comfortable. Okay, so <laughs> who okay who who is your favorite of all of Captain Marvel and Mary Marvel's namesakes? Right, that's the and one. also Ibex. Sure, you can go with Ibex. Yeah. <laughs> there was the, yeah, if there you was were another... if you if you tend towards the evil, you yeah, may choose one of Ibex. The Ibex. There was also. Am I right? Sorry. I want to say if there was a subak as well. There was subak. Did Ivac turn into subak? I think he did. <laughs> um, yeah, because subak later on fought, fought Abacus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, subak was a different one. Subak was a guy who was also an enemy of Captain Marvel. Yeah. And he had the demonic superpowers. So oh. uh, he would say his name, and he was given the strength of Satan, I'm mm-hmm. Belial, Beelzebub, Asmodeus. And Cradius. Huh. So there we go. I would pronounce it as Asmodeus, but I'm not, not saying you're wrong because I, I don't know. You know what? I've only seen it written. I've never met the guy. <laughs> or heard it pronounced properly. I'm trying to think if I've actually used uh, Asmodeus or Asmodeus in uh, Exorcisters. I don't know if I have. It's a go-to name because I, I always uh, I always like it. It's one of the ones that yeah, I it's do a cool remember. one. Yeah, it's a cool one. Yeah, I've used Beelzebub. Uh, and I do have Satan in an upcoming one. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you're interested in like uh, reading Exorcisters, it's now available on Comixology. That's uh, that's where we're uh, doing the this run of uh, issues. Um, yeah. Okay. So anyway, yeah. Uh, who's your favorite uh, of the uh, names uh, in the Shazam uh, world? <laughs> I told you it was dumb. It's not dumb. It's great. I love it. All right. Glad you Fully like in it. favor of it. All right. Well, with that silliness out of the way, let's tell people how to contact us. So if you want to answer any one of those questions, and we would really like it if you did, please write to us via our website. It's called SneakyDragon.com. Every show there has a post, and underneath that post is a comment section, and you are welcome to leave comments there. We do love to get them, and obviously we like to read them out as well. So uh, the more the merrier is what we say. You, If you're feeling private, 
or if you have something that you want to say that's really long and you, or I don't know why. Anyway, you can, you're welcome to uh, email us. It's sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. It's actually a good way to send us pictures as well. If you want to, like Louise, uh, send some infographics, then you uh, can do that via email. Sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. We're on Twitter at sneaky underscore dragon.com. We have a Facebook page, which is called Sneaky Dragon. And we also are contactable via snail mail. If you go to our website and click on the contact us along the top of the menu bar, the top menu bar, you will find there all these various ways to contact us, including our snail mail address. And then you can send us books like Mark Dobrovolsky was so kind to do last week. Mark, I'm really enjoying that book. I've been reading it. It's really great. It's it's so, it's got like a nice, concise sort of potted history of all the things you want to know about National Lampoon and the history of that magazine and how it led to Caddy, you know, how it led to Animal House and Caddyshack and it's really good. So um, I'm really enjoying it. And when I'm finished it, Ian can have it. But Ian has to wait. Ooh. Sorry, Ian. Meow. <laughs> you turned into a cat. Meow. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to the show. Meow. This week, we hope you'll meow. Joyous. Join us next time, and and we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks very much. Meow. Change the location of my uh, digital recorder so it's not precariously perched on the. Oh, I'm so sorry. Let's talk about yeah. Let's talk about that on the on the air. All the sure, uh, sure. Yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's a real drag, but uh, I'm I'm sorry that happened. But uh, it'll make for a good story. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll get something out of it. That's right. Why Dave killed himself? <laughs> that old story.